everyone. Thanks for tuning in tonight for our latest episode. Uh, tonight we have special guests Sean St. Martin and Brian Mastrobuano. Mastrobuano. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm so sorry if I slaughter it because I'm horrible with names. Um, two members of the band Hellbent. Uh, and we are actually going to be exclusively premiering uh, some snippets from their new, uh, from a couple new songs off their new record, which is not out yet. So, um, very excited to be doing that and to having them premiere here. So stay tuned for some of that. Um, please also support them. Follow their links on the home pages of the audio stream or the video if you're watching it. And uh, go to their Bandcamp site. You can buy their old record, their uh, their uh, EP. Um, it's actually a free download if you want to do that. But we suggest that you please send them a donation. Send them some money for it if you're downloading it. Um, or you can buy their cassette. Uh, they have a package with a stickers and a, a patch. So uh, you could do that too. Uh, that would be much appreciated. Thank you very much. Um, and yeah, just talking Black Sabbath tonight. Got the new uh, their debut record. That's a 2010 reissue on 180 gram. Uh, so that's what we listen to, and uh, that is going to be available as well if you're seeing this or hearing it now. So follow the links for that as well if you're interested in that, and enjoy the show. Thanks. started to no I mean we're gonna go for it we're going for it uh, I'm just gonna would give it, be, it a would little... it be yeah yeah absolutely I mean because I'm pretty sure it was good like it may have just been a fluke because uh, then I did clean it afterwards I sound, uh, I usually use a little bit of an alcohol solution especially when it's something that's kind of sounds problematic um, hoping that it will get into the groove and like if there's something in the groove that's stuck then that'll get it out and so i played it again afterwards after doing that and it it played through so every once in a while i'll get a record and just have like a little hard something hard yeah a little white dot yeah i'll just like go in there yep yeah i'll watch the label and like listen where it is and like try to triangulate where it is stare at it and then like pick the little thing out right sometimes there might still be a little tick there but it doesn't skip anymore right yeah, I've, I've run into a lot of those because uh, I run into a lot of old records. Mm-hmm. And um, so what I found is that I actually, well, I do like a wet listen thing. Like, so I'll just put alcohol, like a half, like a half solution. So I have like a diluted alcohol. Do you leave it wet? When I play it? Yeah. Yeah. At least, that, at least one time. That's not good for the groove either. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so then just, well, because what at I was. At least I know on shellac it isn't. Like for a lot of like old 10 inches where yeah. they're thinking okay. they might get one play out of it just to be able to get the music off it. They'll like leave it wet. And that pretty much ruins the surface of it. But it'll sound oh, really? good that one time. Yeah. Oh, Vinyl really? I'm not sure about. But <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, usually I think it's a, a very small. I think it's like a low percentage of alcohol to. Really? Well, well, no, the not blend. for shellac. It's no alcohol because it'll just melt oh. the thing. You you just oh, use okay. water. But yeah, it's oh, just okay. it's just that the needle in the groove, like kind of like yeah. 
Well, that's kind of like a different the, format, right? I mean, like for for those, those little is. ten inches to be played. I mean, it is, yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm no expert, but yeah. um, but I do try that at least for the first time, especially for like an old dirty record. I'll like do that. An old dirty record, yeah. I mean, yeah. I would worry more about the needle than the record at that point. Yeah, that's yeah. why I just bought a new a new stylus because I was just like, oh, it's about time. I mean, I've yeah. been, you know. I've been putting this thing through the ringer, like as far as like you know playing old old dirty records. And what do you have on there? I can't actually see it. Uh, I actually don't know for sure. Um, it's some generic needle, really. Um, yeah, well, I'm it, at the cart more than. Oh, I don't know. I it's actually don't stand. know about the cartridge. It's a stand. Stand five hundred two. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I actually don't know much about my turntable. Yeah. I only recently saw that. Um, I guess these that the techniques quartz are kind of desirable, um, but I picked this up at a Salvation Army or a you know thrift store years ago, yeah. and I had no no idea, you know, and it didn't work great. It still doesn't work great, but it works well enough, you know, that I can. I have some Technics tables. They're fine. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't. I'm not. Uh, I'm not like a big audiophile guy, mm-hmm. so I don't really know. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just took a chance. It was a cheap table. I was just like, I need a table because I want to start listening to records. And um, and that was it, you know. And so, I remember. I think I brought it into to Stu at uh, Stereo Discount Center, and mm-hmm. you know, I told him what I had, or I had, I told him what I had, because I wanted to get a new needle for it. Because I was just like, I don't know what this thing's been through, you know. I mean, if I'm gonna put on some records, I want to put on a you know, nice new, nice new needle. <clears throat> and um, so he just gave me something that was like that, and now I just bought a replacement for it, and it happens to be the same exact one. Like, literally, looks exactly the same. So I'm like, okay, it's some generic needle. It's some generic stylus. I don't know. Yeah. But it fits for that, so. Yeah, that's a nice thing. I just have, like, a Sure cartridge that I, like, I, I got mine at, like, a thrift store. Bought a Sure cartridge. and then, Sure is a fine, yeah. Yeah, and then every, like, year or so, I usually just buy a new, yeah. new needle and just pop it on. They have my guitar center, the one I use. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. It's probably more of a DJ needle then. <clears throat> it's I think it's like an all-purpose needle, yeah. the mm-hmm. one that I get. Yeah, like I said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that good. He's he knows that stuff. <clears throat> I know about. a little bit. I'm not like. Yeah. I do have one audiophile table, but it's like an entry level one, and I got it pretty cheap. And I don't actually use it that much because it's a pain in the ass. Because its philosophy is simplicity, mm-hmm. so. It doesn't like it doesn't have any automatic stuff to even change like the speed. You have to lift up the platter and then change like where the belt is on like the different spindles. That's a or whatever. super common oh. thing now. A lot of the new turntables have that. Yeah, yeah. like that. What is that? The U-turn. Yeah, yeah. Thing? All those exactly are what those are kind of modeled after. I have a Riga two planner, which it has an upgraded platter. It has like a glass platter with like a piece of felt on it to like I guess isolate more hmm. vibrations. But yeah, that's kind of based. Uh, the U-turn is based off of. But there's the a lot that are like the U-turn now. They, like tons of companies are making really? them. Yeah. Hmm. Like even the, the big names are making ones like that with the hmm. the band. Yeah. Apparently it's it's more it's quieter than the than yeah. direct drive than the, the drive. Well there's yeah, no dri- like, there's no mech. Like drive I've mechanism. opened up like one of these oh, Technics okay. things and there's all these gears and stuff that oh, yeah. mostly they're not doing anything. But when yeah. it's it's like advancing the uh, arm to like drop down and the thing to drop down the thing um you know it, it borrows some energy i guess from the spinning platter so you can get like extra noise from that or whatever and just the way the 
motor is isolated by using like a, uh, you know, a belt versus uh, I, I, is that a direct drive? I'm, I'm, I think it is. It says DD automatic. Yeah. 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 It's yep. a direct drive. So that means that the spindle and the motor are like, you know, in, in it's just spinning in the motor so mm-hmm. it can, it can transfer vibration, hmm. you know, through the record into the, into the stylus and then, you know, back into the stereo and, I'll I'll tell you most of the time I I don't I don't notice especially since I listen to loud noisy music mm-hmm. I'm not listening to like really delicate uh, classical stuff maybe some jazz stuff that's a little calmer I could probably yeah. hear it a little bit but generally hmm. just let it roll and also I'm old so I probably can't hear some of it anymore either so. <laughs> yeah all the years of like the hard music right yeah and just I mean I'm 50 now so it's just naturally you lose like everything above 8k or whatever in the in the mm-hmm. spectrum you like just can't hear it anymore right were you there at the studio when eric was like yes can... so we were at the studio recording our new thing hey sean can you pull up to the mic i just want to make sure i get you am i here yeah, yeah. or you can bring oh, closer to you or whatever yeah, is more what comfortable for you um so yeah we're in the studio and he was like messing with this graph and like dragging and he's like yeah, he was like what is that he's sound like, what is he's that like exploring like, he's like there it is. There it is. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, you know? we were like, what? He you kept... can't hear that? And then he isolated it. It was like, it was like dead silence. He like, kept, I couldn't hear he kept playing it back and literally all of us are going. <laughs> in the studio. Yeah. Yes. But Eric, I think is, he's got to be in his late 20s. Mid, yeah. He's got to be 26, 27. <laughs> and, and yeah. Yeah, we're all over 40. So it's, it's like, like we could, none of us could hear the sound. someone was saying, like, about. below, like, what, like, little kids can hear frequencies that, like, we can't hear it like you hit yeah. a certain age and you just and we were like i don't know what you're hearing but he goes okay i'll take care of it and i'm like <laughs> all right we trust yeah you. well engineers are like that i mean because they i mean they're using like good microphones i mean usually you can hear a lot of stuff you can kind of just like hear some like room noise you know and they pick up on that stuff i mean like i know i've been in a studio situation where the engineer has like said hold on guys like there's something i i, I hear something you know, and that's the thing, and they're like kind of hunting it down, and yeah. it could be something as stupid as like, you know, do you have keys in your pocket? And you're like, yeah. He's like, take those keys out of your pocket. You know, and it's something yeah. like that. He's like, okay, yeah. Now we go. Sam, Sam, like, are you are you tapping your foot? Are you in Sam there tapping? Sam, our bassist likes to leave his cell phone in his pocket. Yeah. And his and it picks <clears> up <throat> like it like creates like this weird noise feedback. Yeah, yeah. Through his pickups. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's definitely a, a big red flag, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. I don't. I would probably say keep the cell phones out of the studio if you're recording but uh, speaking of the recording do you want to talk about your new recording sure. this, this was the, this is what happened then yeah this was this was early february um we did like a crash course two-day full album yeah um we wanted to get it done because uh, we're playing at the end of may at uh, maryland death fest and cool. we've been talking about doing this album for two a years while. yeah you know quite some time so we finally uh had just had to set a date and do it um right so that we could try to get it out for that cool so uh yeah we booked two days and and did nine songs it was 10 really 10 one's a, one's a medley two two covers jammed into one yeah oh yeah cool um but yeah so that we've got we've got uh coming out on cd and tape so far and then then we're waiting for some kind of hoping someone will step up and do the vinyl oh yeah cool
Well, yeah, I mean, it's like the vinyl, it's so expensive to press that it's, yeah. it's just, it just makes it harder for people to, to go and like to bite the bullet and like press something. Yeah. Get something pressed, you know? Yeah. Yep. Obviously, it helps with the label. Like, can help, you know, they pay for it for you, basically. But uh, then obviously, they're looking for their money back. So, yeah. Yep. Or you just find somebody who's a hobbyist who just wants to be somehow involved with the band or mm. something like that. Um, yeah. I mean, that's all we'd be interested. I mean, that's all the, the tape label guys were interested uh, in doing the tape, right? They're kind of just fans, right? They are fans, but no, they're they're just newer. Yeah. Um, I, I think they've been in existence a year. But I mean, really, they, they do what they like more yeah. than like somebody at Victory Records just trying to find somebody that they can sign will get popular and then they can sell their contract to a major label or whatever. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, the music industry, I, I don't really understand it too well. Like, mm. I, like, I know what you're saying as far as, like, the, you know, there's, like, hobbyists that, like, you know, would just like to fund, like, a band because they like the band and, like, fund their, their pressing for whatever record they want to do, whether yeah. it be, like, a 7-inch or a single or something like that. Um, but then, like, as far as, like, the major labels, like, the guys are looking to make money off of bands, I don't understand any of it. I really don't. Me neither. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I understand that they want to make money. That's that's right. the, the part I understand. That drive is pretty easy to understand. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. How they make their money, I guess, is the bigger picture yeah. for me. Like, I don't. That's what I don't understand. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about that recently, and that they, um, it's come out more that bands are really paying in advance for you know their recording costs, um, the um, um, what do you call it? Mastering. The cost for advertising it and oh. stuff like that. They they get all all this stuff is they're kind of paid up front for it, and then they have to sell X number of records. To recoup before they recoup that money before they the band actually makes any money right you know the label yeah. is basically not taking any risk hmm. it's almost like it's almost like the pay to play thing too which is i think more yeah. common than than it used to be as well hmm. yeah not here but i mean are there really pay to play stuff going on in rhode island i don't know i don't know about rhode island uh yeah. maybe like fat Really? There might I have be no some idea. Live, live have, music you're talking about? Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. like when they have like festivals. They do it a lot in Worcester. Hmm. Um like the like there's a, there's a decibel tour there today and I and I've heard that Is that it, the Morbid Angel thing? Yeah, and yeah. I heard that uh at least two or three of the bands are like pay to play. They say, "You oh yeah, you, you want to play this festival, you got to sell X amount of tickets." Yeah. Oh, that's So the band comes that's up how... with whatever $900, they give them a bunch of tickets. Right. And then they have to sell those tickets for whatever they can. If, uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. I, I've been in a situation like that before. An old band I was in, yeah. like they gave us tickets and said, "Just sell as many tickets as you can." Like, I mean, we were guaranteed to play. We were going to play, but uh -huh. obviously, I think. Did that you that have had... to put up any money no. up front? Uh -oh. No, we didn't. That's what this is. Yeah. This is you actually. You buy yeah. the tickets from them yes. and sell them to make your money back. Right. Yeah. That okay. That sounds fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a thing yeah that's weird. weird yeah but yeah i mean it, it kind of goes along with what you're saying with the labels too like the venues don't want to risk like you not drawing so yeah it's up to yeah. you to to sell these tickets to get people in the door wow. we don't want to lose any money off of it you know what i mean right yeah it's weird well it's not even like you had a, like you would have a guarantee i mean most bands local bands you know independent bands don't have guarantees you right. know, no. so I mean, what does the promoter really have to lose? I mean, you get anyone in the door, you're making your money off the bar, right? Well, the the, the bar is. I mean, it depends who the booking person is. Sometimes it's just yeah. yeah, a guy who likes, you know, the bands or whatever. Or 
I don't know. I don't like. I don't know that end of it uh, on the mm. low end of that kind of stuff too much I either. Think, I think it goes just for it. Usually is festival related. It's usually like a big name. that's, yeah. that's you know, Decibel is the one who's who's hosting it. Yeah, and I mean, it's a I bunch know of big name bands like that, who um, have a guarantee. The, the other, the other hell right. band, the the one that opens for like Power Man Five Thousand. We're pretty sure that they're a band that kind of plays in that pay to play <laughs> thing. Like they get to mm-hmm. open for some major label bands, so they have to put out you know, a bunch of money to buy some tickets and then sell them to their friends or whatever to... Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like shit. Like, I don't think I'd want to do if that. If you want to... I, I think for these major label bands that want to get signed, they see that as a way of getting exposed to people who like lousy major label bands. That's yeah. kind of not what... Yeah. The kind of people that we're looking for. Um, I mean, obviously, from the, not that you'll hear too much of it on this show, but right. it's not very commercial. It doesn't seem like it's trying to find an audience exactly. Mm-hmm. we do what we like and if there's people who like this kind of music we know there is because we like it and whatever it's we're starting they're to real, there we're starting to realize our audience is like our our peers like our oh, yeah. oh, our 40 and 50 year old like <laughs> right. the uh the the funniest one of the funnier comments we played with uh this band ringworm mm-hmm. who uh yeah. our singer is a huge fan of and they've been around since what early 90s mid 90s maybe even like 89 but oh, yeah right. early 90s so they, anyways, they're yeah a, you know They've been around for a long time. They put out some good records. Like they've they've never really sold out. They've been on I think Relapse for a long time. Um, but they uh, we we had a chance to play with them uh, back in July, I believe. And um, he said to the singer said to us after our set, "Oh, that was awesome, guys." He's like, "Hey, it just sound you guys sound like a bunch of old guys." Who love old metal? He's. Like, I don't mean that in a bad way, like in a good way, but yeah, huh. old, just like old dudes that love old metal. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I guess that's what we are. Yeah. The 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 takeaway from that is that you you guys have a, like an authentic metal sound, like more true to uh, original, like older metal, basically. There's not much modern stuff going on. No, there's not. No. no. I mean, metal's not my, my thing, really. Yeah. I'm not really a very big metal fan. I mean, I do appreciate some of it, for sure. But um, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to point out anything modern, modern-wise, like yeah. modern music, like any new bands. You know, it's like... Uh, it's nothing symphonic. In, in, essence, <laughs> yeah. our, in essence, our music is still rooted to, like, punk and, and hardcore. It's definitely punk Because yeah. the stuff that based. we're influenced by is, is coming, like, right out of punk and hardcore. Right, like the like crossover even bands stuff, that are like, considered completely metal, like a like a Celtic Frost or Celtic Frost, they like they borrow so much from like Discharge and uh-huh. like Motorhead that um, I mean back then there wasn't as much of a division I suppose between extreme music genres or whatever either. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah. I mean, you could probably do the same same thing with the with Black Sabbath, like that that little turning point, right? Right before from blues rock to heavy metal, or exactly. something yeah. like that. Like, yeah, that's kind of that 1970 71 is like the where probably 77, 78 is the turning point to to like the newer metal. Or stuff that was going to become metal, like the new wave of Brit- right. you know, new wave of British heavy metal stuff, where it's like, yeah, punk all hardcore. those guys, they definitely had the, the the influence of the power of punk, but they were still into, you know, Deep Purple and Sabbath, 
Mm-hmm. There's so much deep purpley kind of stuff in New Wave of British heavy metal that even people who like don't consider deep purple metal these days, they just, I don't know, they're kind of missing something that that stuff was so important in the 70s mm-hmm. for like the hardest edge rock kind of stuff going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're just dismissing it as kind of like ah, it's not metal. It's kind they of it's weird it. to me. They probably dismiss it because of the organ. Yeah, yeah, the organ is. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like right. Richie Blackmore influenced Ingvay Malmsteen. He influenced Yuli John or Yuli John Roth. It's kind of in that same yeah. Scorpion. So, so that that's kind of like something that I, I've heard a little bit about. Like in doing my <clears throat> research about this record, um, that kind of kept on coming up. How Black Sabbath was not technically a metal band, and to say that they were the founders of like metal is kind of preposterous. Which I I can kind of go either way on that because especially thinking about this record, this being their debut. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like a blues rock record. It definitely has some heavy yeah. rock to it. Except for Black Sabbath, the song itself is not based around blues, at least not initially. Um, yeah, that's probably the one. But yeah, a lot of it, you can definitely tell that they were like a bar band that played like a blues rock set. Right. Started adding their originals to it, but they still had kind of the trappings of Yeah, but of supposedly, blues rock. you know, Black Sabbath is, is uh, hailed as, you know, the, the creators of metal. Sure. So, I mean, I don't know how true that is because I'm sure that there were bands, obviously, that were similar to them uh, probably around the same time period. Like, this was, what, from 69, was it? Or was it 71? It was recorded, I think, November 69 and came out February 1970, I believe. Okay. On Friday yep. the 13th or something, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least in Brian, England. Brian I, I think it, over here it came out a little bit later. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. But so, um, so you know, there's that... There's that too where, you know, they said that they were, they closed out the whole hippie era, you know, and then, so then it became this thing. It was a louder, more kind of, um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that was going on in that era. Like, I mean, would you call uh, King Crimson hippie metal? stuff? Oh, hippie not, stuff? Not, that's not necessarily yeah. heavy metal, but I mean, that's hippie stuff. I mean. Not at all. No, it's, it's mm. progressive. It's probably well, earliest progressive rock example you can find that yeah. isn't kind of folk beast or, or something yeah. but historically speaking probably yeah. it probably got pigeonholed in there only because hippies were listening to it because obviously it had to be some tripped out guys that were of some of that mindset same same as sabbath though i would think i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. except that you know so this had a harder edge to it you know sure um king crimson's more you know proggy and so kind yeah. of more experimental but i mean and, i don't know you know, twenty first century schizo. I mean, that's a heavy song. That's a really heavy song. That's a really heavy song. They have um, they have their moments for yeah. sure. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, you can go back to like Blue Cheer. Yep. What is some, that? The yes. End of sixty seven. Some people claim that's the first heavy metal record. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I don't think there's any first. It's everything was kind of head this way from like the Yardbirds and after. I think yeah. they kind of they're kind of the ones who did. really toughened up hmm. the blues rock aesthetic. At first, I you think, know, and everything was, was just heading that way. When uh, when they finally like remastered that early Pentagram stuff, they were touting that as like before Black Sabbath, the uh, the early days stuff that they put out. The early days stuff that's like dates back to seventy one or seventy two, right? But I th- well, I the rec- it was recorded, but I think they were saying that it was written really uh, prior to the first Black Sabbath. Oh. Um, I think that was what the argument was. That's where everything gets so messy, too. Exactly. Right? It's yeah. like, oh, well, we didn't we didn't record it before yeah. this record yeah. was released, but we then, had those songs. It's like, I always okay, heard well, uh, the Lucifer's Friend, the first Lucifer Friend. That's a real heavy yep. record, and mm-hmm. you know, one thing I was gonna say is like, you know, you had 
another reason that might have be touted as the first is that Ozzy was a good looking guy. Mm-hmm. And one thing I heard, like Lucifer's friend never got as big as them because they're German too, right? They are. Yeah. yeah they probably never got the distribution and they probably didn't. And they also don't have the looks. Right. Mm. They don't have a like charming, yeah. you know, young, yeah. you know, front man. Because the funny. singer of Lucifer's friend, I, from what I've seen, he isn't a good looking guy. I can't yeah. even remember. Yeah. But yeah, it was sorry, definitely. Dude, sorry if you're listening. I just. <laughs> there yeah. was definitely a ton of stuff happening in that era, though. 69, right. 70, 71. The, uh, that high tide mm-hmm. sea chanties. That's arguably heavier than Black Sabbath that came out like in 69. Mm-hmm. I but. Just, Brian looked at me because I just bought an original copy off of him. Yeah, I sold him my spare. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's heavy as balls. Um, and I mean, there was yeah. a lot of other stuff like going on. So, I mean, obviously Black Sabbath are arguably the greatest rock and roll band ever, if you're me mm-hmm. and, and a lot of other people, but, um, oh, yeah. and uh, whether they're the first metal band, I think it was going to happen anyway. Like when they talk about the first punk rock or hardcore stuff or whatever, right. there was just stuff. It was something was happening in the air and stuff was going that way. Mm-hmm. Stu- and in retrospect, you can say this other stuff was like, you know, it was it was leading in this direction years before the thing, the actual explosion or whatever. Yeah, the Stooges, right. like the Stooges, they were like, here, here it is, and then you guys can do what you want with it in a few years. Right. <laughs> kind of the same you thing, guys... though, where like the Stooges, they were just like doing like this heavy blues rock stuff. It was very bluesy, like kind of jammy. Like it wasn't, I, I wouldn't consider it to be punk necessarily, it's only because of the attitude and maybe the, the garage rock, I guess. Garage rock, yeah. Yeah, maybe it was definitely garage rock. It wasn't blues rock in that there wasn't a lot of bluesy soloing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the chord changes were just simpler, but yeah, definitely blue, um, excuse me, garage rock. Yeah. Definitely where, where they were coming from. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of that, you could point to a lot of garage rock stuff that you look like that was like punk 10 years before punk right in retrospect i mean at the time it wasn't like this is the start of a new genre obviously i mean yeah it's so weird how all these genres just kind of like meld together and like obviously in between like time and then all of the different elements between all of these different bands and stuff it's just like it's all kind of coming from the same thing yeah i mean i mean i think that's i think that's part of the reason people like us collect vinyl and like obsess over music is like, I love, I love piecing together all that stuff in the, mm. the timelines and right. You know, even just members going to this thing and, uh, yeah, that you know, stuff Ian, you know, has blown my mind. How Ian like Gillian guys going to black Sabbath and in all these like, right. But cool wasn't Tommy, twists. Tommy Iommi, wasn't he, uh, briefly part of Jethro Tull Jethro before Tull, this? Yes. Yeah. You could see him playing with them in like Rock and Roll Circus. Really. Rock and Roll it? Circus, the Rolling yeah. Stones Rock and Roll Circus. But he isn't actually playing. He never really played with them except to practice, I guess. Yeah. Oh. But he's up there just mimicking really? in that. Yeah. Just for the movie. Yeah. Oh. He even like produced some of that early like 71, 72 stuff like uh Black Widow, didn't he? Black Widow, yes, and, yes. But he's done some other records too like uh, Necromandis, I think yep, it's called. Necromandis. Yeah. Hmm. There's some stuff he produced once this kind of Black Sabbath took off. He started producing these like satanic, evil, <laughs> blues rock witch groups. Yeah. How weird. The occult. Yeah, occult. Yeah. None weird. of those records are that great, though, from what I remember. <laughs> they're not that great, no. but they're okay. They have the, as no as a record Sabbath. collector, I can appreciate it that it's like you don't have to listen to the same hundred and seven you know classic rock lps that they play on you know right hjy our local classic rock station right day in and day out you can I, find all these 
obscure records uh, that have slipped through the cracks. And then just in recent years, people have like been on the internet, you know, just spreading the word. Like, dude, you got to check this out. Hmm. Look at how <laughs> this big, is just as good as whatever. Look at how big Coven is now, or how how recognized Coven is. I guess they actually did have a top forty hit though. Did but they? I mean, like like a Sir Lord Baltimore, they never did anything. Yeah. Um, hmm. Leaf Hound. That's a great band. Yeah, that's a but great I mean, record. Yeah, I mean a lot of the other stuff. Uh, uh, Captain Beyond. You know, I yep. mean, that first yeah. LP is, that is an all-time classic to me. And it was just almost completely overlooked in, you know, for the last 35 years from its release until, like, the, the internet first, age the or whatever. The first Atomic Rooster. The first, uh, oh. well, second Atomic Rooster. That's true. Second, second Atomic, Atomic Rooster, Rooster, which is, like, 71. Yep, oh, 71. They're, they're heavy metal records. They, yeah. They're, al- they're almost, you know, as heavy, if not heavier than that. But Right. They just slip through the cracks, yeah. you know. They get right. They I mean, get... it's a whole new generation that can appreciate Deep Purple in rock now. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so strange how how many bands that have, have been around, uh, even like around the same time that Black Sabbath was uh, starting out, and how just like you're saying, like they just fell through the cracks. Like, I can see that happening now because I like there are so many goddamn bands today. Yeah, you know, it's like it's okay. It makes sense that so many are kind of like falling through the cracks. It's just like you can't keep up with it. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, for for bands like that, like those more obscure, um, trying to come up with them now, like trying to find those records and buy them, like if they are, either you find an original, must be really hard, right? I don't know how many are being repressed. Aren't they more expensive now? Like way more expensive. I, I got lucky and I got in on a lot of this stuff right when it was breaking. So I was able to yeah. get a lot of it for pretty cheap, like even cheaper than like buying just a new record now. Like uh, I got both Sir Lord Baltimore's for $4 each. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. I was just telling Brian because I don't have Kingdom Come. Yeah, the second the one. The second one. And, and that's uh, like a $50 record is all day long $50 now. Right. all day long. And it's not nearly as good as the first one either. So. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, 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 the price has definitely gone up for the originals. I mean, some of this stuff is already expensive. Like that Leaf Hound we were talking about. That was already expensive in psychedelic circles. Yeah. Before, like, the internet thing broke and kind of broke the more hard, rocky mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Right. To, like, greater attention. Those are like four hundred dollars. Yeah, they, they have Easy. been as long as that. Even Same more. Same with that. Uh, I I splurt. I I finally broke down about that orangutan album. I don't know that one. Orang. It's like orang hyphen tang. Utang. <laughs> um, I finally bought the reissue of it because they're just like five hundred dollars. Hmm. Just one record, heavy blues rock, seventy one ish. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. I, so I don't understand why. Um, it's like it seems like metal records especially like metal records and then like you know obviously obscure like psychedelic rock garage Absolutely. rock stuff mm. so expensive rob right? rob from time capsule will tell you like he that's where i shop there every friday brian i haven't been there in a while years, but yeah but i've gotten tons of good stuff rob will always like be like oh, i might be putting some metal out next week because he knows yeah that's what i'm into brian's into right. and it goes so fast. it is in and out right and the prices of it have just yeah I, I can't get my hands on any. Yeah, it's I can't not, get it's, my hands on any because I'm just like, I can only spend so much. You know, I just spent fucking, I'm going to end up paying like $460 for like 40 records. And I don't think there's any metal in there. 
<laughs> like there's all these lots that I bought at an auction yeah. that happened recently, and um, I'm really looking forward to it. Actually, a lot of good stuff is going to be in there, but I don't. Yeah, it's just like like the metal stuff that like fucking five records will sell for that much. Yeah, you know, and it's I, like fuck. I gotta I gotta rewind really quick. So speaking of in rock, mm-hmm. um, I know you had Dan St. Jake's on here. Yeah, for uh, raw power. Uh-huh. So the first time I ever heard uh, In Rock, obviously I knew Deep Purple, but I didn't know In Rock as an album. And uh, this goes back to probably 98, 1998. And I was at 1UP. Yeah. You know, on Steeple yeah, yeah, Street. Yeah. Or whatever. I remember 1UP. Steeple Street, yeah. Yeah, and I was there with Paul Vieira. Getting wasted. <laughs> having, some, having some beers. And we we were le- the bar closed and we were leaving. And I'm trying to remember who... I think it was that guy Pete. He they used to bartend at the Met Cafe. Oh, uh, they were they were in a, they were in some bands. Yeah, yeah. Pete uh, and like another guy, Johnny or something. I think Pete. I think it was Pete and Johnny. What's that shit? What's his name? Pete. Uh, they're like Newport guys, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in I'm any case, was he them, was he part of Mother Jefferson? Yes. Yes. yes those okay. Guys. So one of those guys said, "Hey." We're, we're going to go back to Dan St. Jake's place. Come on. I was saying, this was Red Rum back then. Oh, yeah. And Paul's like, and I was like, I, let's, I just want to go home. He's like, come on. And I think, I think, I think we'd walked because we lived near there. And, and Pete gave us a ride to Dan's. So we get there. And it's like, it's already 2 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really much of a smoker. But they all, like, wanted to smoke. So we go up in Dan's loft above Red Rum. Oh, yeah. Dan puts on In Rock. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, oh, this is awesome. I've never heard this record. And uh, then I'm, okay, so it like it went through once, and I'm like, okay, we're good. We've been here for like 45 minutes. I'm ready to go. No, no one's going, because we got to ride. First of all, we're not walking from Olneyville all the way back to the Hope Street. Province, yeah. <sighs> so we're kind of stuck there. We're like kind of at Pete's mercy, and he's having a blast, and everyone's drunk, and we're smoking. And I'm like, oh, jeez, I just want to go to bed. So I re- I had this point, so then Dan... Instead of like going down and getting more records, he just put in rock on again. And and so my my solution was, okay, I'm just I don't even smoke. I was like, I'm getting stoned out of my mind. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm just gonna go green. I'm gonna blow my own mind. And I Yeah. Fine, give it to me. I started smoking and I swear we listened to that record five times. <laughs> uh, we had to be there till five in the morning. Oh man. And I was like Yeah. Beyond stoned, just listening to In Rock on repeat for hours and hours. But so then now you loved it. That was part it's, of your in his, yeah, DNA. Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably my favorite Deep, uh, Deep Purple record. Might be mine too. Yeah. It's, it's real cool. good. It's really, yeah. I don't know if it was because of that experience or if it's just a great album, but. Could be a little bit of both. Yeah. You know, music has that effect, you know, where it kind of uh, ingrains itself into a moment in your life. Yeah. So, and if that was a positive experience in your life, then. It's always going to have a positive yeah. experience when you hear it again. It's going to kind of bring you back to that same spot, right? I'm pretty sure my copy of Volume 4 came with a pack of zigzag rolling papers in it, like a Ooh. nice 70s original <laughs> pack of zigzags. That came with the record? Or you mean well, like, like someone slipped someone it in and got stuck in? They yeah, had yeah. them in there since like, you know, got filed away in 1976. <laughs> Sitting there with yeah. in their lap. Right. Yep. Rolling oh, yeah. Hide them from mom and dad. That's what I was telling Dan about that Raw Power record. It was the first pressing. I was just like, can you imagine what kind of drugs might have been done off this record? Exactly. <laughs> That's another reason it's hard to find good metal records, because a lot of them got trashed. Destroyed, right. absolutely. On the party, like, 
for years I was looking for Too Fast for Love, the first Motley Crue. Mm -hmm. that, that record's trashed, always. Mm -hmm. It's a party record. Yeah. Well, that band, for sure, exactly. has a reputation. None of them are dead yet, though, so I say they're a bunch of posers. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> they all come pretty damn close, I guess. I but they haven't. This. No, one of them's have a, not. One of them is a murderer slash right. manslaughterer. But... Right. <laughs> he managed to slip slip death's grip yeah. without fucking managed to kill somebody else. Yeah. Right? Hanoi Rocks, though, they get the props, yeah. Who? Hanoi Rocks. It was a drummer of Hanoi Rocks that oh, yeah, died that in that in car, car accident, right. accident with uh, Vince Neil. Yeah. Right. Guns N' Roses can thank them for uh, a lot. Really? Just yeah. for their look and yeah, they're kind of yeah, they're kind of style. Did, did a little metal. bit, a little bit of the music. Didn't Vince Neil uh, threaten Axl Rose to a fist fight? Like, didn't even challenge him to to a fist fight? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember that. It was something like on TV. I remember some some interview or something I saw with him. Like he he was like calling him out. Like it was like fucking WWF. You know, it was just like on TV, like on MTV, just him on the camera being like, hey, you know, calling Axl out, being like, you know, if you want to talk shit, like we you know we can just settle this. You know, you're like what? come face to face with me we'll fucking do this you know i'm like this is so weird probably you know i'm a bit older so like all that hair metal stuff even like the stuff that was a little bit harder like motley Crue in the beginning and whatever mm -hmm. all that stuff was the enemy when i was like you know really right. into metal like you were either into like motorhead and harder bands or you were a fucking poser you know so right. i don't like I don't like that that stuff yeah, at see, all. I'm, like, right, I'm right at that age. Makes sense. I'm yeah. like, right. To me, like I was a little kid, and like that stuff was, that's what MTV was burnt. Like, you know, like I was. What year did MTV come out? Eighty three. It might have been eighty one. Eighty one. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was yeah. eighty one. Well, yeah. either either way, I was like. Oh six, yeah, we grew up I was up like on six it. years old, seven years old. Right. So I'd see that metal stuff, and it's absolutely understandable. Yeah. I mean, this is like how I'm kind of. Um, like how much I like Kiss, because I know like a lot of young people they can't stomach Kiss at all because they only know like the clowny Kiss. Mm -hmm. But you know my father, who um only nineteen years older than me, he was into Kiss from like day one. Like he got the first LP right when it came out. I didn't know for years that they there was a pressing of the first Kiss LP after the first sixty thousand pressing. They added the song Kissing Time to it. I didn't know that until the nineties. Because I'd never heard a copy of the LP that had that song on it. Hmm. So he was into, like, 74, he was into Kiss. So, you know, to me, that was yeah. it. Uh -huh. And, like, he had the New York Dolls first LP. Huh. I mean, at the time, I had wow. no point of reference of, like, right. a lot of music. So I, I thought it was normal that people listen to this kind of hard rock kind right, of stuff. Right. Wow. And it was, yeah, I mean, Chris, Kiss was, um, they were a fucking heavy band for the time. For the I time, mean, I guess, looking yeah. back now, it's like, you It doesn't know, seem that hard. Oh, it's just, you know, kind of just blues rock kind of stuff, like just pushed a little bit more with the costumes or whatever. Yeah. But to me, they still, like, they have so many good songs. They were a good band, songwriting band. They mm -hmm. wrote a lot of, I mean, it's... It's catchy stuff. It's you know, catchy yeah. stuff. I agree. They're just they're yeah. really good songwriters. Yeah. They're not the greatest musicians. Like No, absolutely not. They had that great gimmick of the, you know, yeah. the whole stage show and that, that's their really, records look really fantastic. All those early records, they look unbelievable. Hmm. Yeah. Like when I was getting on my punk rock stage and I was just buying records based on the cover. I mean a kiss record. Kiss, you sure. would look at that and just go like, I gotta buy this. This looks wild. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
And it was, but in a different way. Not necessarily yeah. wild, like, you know, kind of get in a pit and fucking get Yeah, I mean, like, like, like a hypnosis record, you know, where they designed the cover to, like, all these classic rock records in the mm. 70s or whatever. All those Scorpions records so actually, UFO. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was saying the whole thing about MTV and, like, liking the hair metal stuff, but actually my first loves my first records were kiss um really the first things i had on vinyl what, what, what like the first kiss record you had the first record i think i ever owned on any the first vinyl i ever had mm-hmm. was billy squire <laughs> uh the one with stroke on it i forgot the name right of it. I, I don't know paint. i don't even have that one. and then yet. i believe the second i bought two i went to this there was this drugstore in my hometown that you could buy records at like the magazine rack but there was also like yeah a the vinyl rack things, right and I bought uh, ACDC for those about to rock, and uh, Ozzy Speak of the Devil, the hmm. double live where he yeah, does yeah. all Black Sabbath songs. Yeah. Um, and those I was probably seven years old, and then <laughs> huh. that birthday, that like seventh birthday party, my grandmother got me a bunch of Kiss LPs. Your grandmother? My grandmother. That's and awesome. I got wow. I got Kiss Destroyer, I got yeah. Kiss Dynasty. Not a good one. Yeah. Oh, I disagree. I love Dynasty. <laughs> really? Love it. But it might be the nostalgia. Exactly. Because, yeah. yeah. like, here I am seven years old. Like, it still sounds heavy to me. Yeah. Right. You know? Uh, and Destroyer and one other. Um, it might have been Alive 2. No, Alive 2? No, Alive 1. No, it was Alive 1. Okay. Yep. And those were, like, my first LPs. Wow. Then the hair, then MTV and hair metal and <laughs> you stuff. You got an awesome grandma. She was cool. Yeah. She was, a ro- she was like, a roller skating... Uh, like competitive roller skater. Really? Yeah. Up until how, how old? <laughs> she was roller skating until like her, I think early seventies. Jesus. I don't know. She was, she wasn't competing, but she would, yeah, she had her, still uh, like doing it. Yeah. You got a hardcore grandma. <laughs> she was good. Damn. She was, you could try some of this if you want, by the way. Could I? You ready? Sure. Yeah. 107 proof. You ready? Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> might as well. We might not be able to finish the show. Sorry. No better time than now. Um, what, what is this man? Old Weller, but, uh, Old Weller like Antique, year? 170. I think that's right after they removed the age statement. It used to be seven years. Um, it's good stuff. Well, thank you for it's bringing a, it. I didn't know you were going to bring your own stuff. Yeah. He mentioned it was a bourbon thing. I was like, I got to bring something that's like good. Well, I just I always like to offer a drink. You know, I mean, I, I it's not like it has to be. It's not like we have to drink, but I mean, I enjoy having a bourbon. I know? haven't been able to drink with anybody in a while because um, Drop Dead... You know, my other band hasn't played a lot of shows in recent years because yeah. our singer, had, like, he had a, a back surgery and then oh. he fell off his motorcycle. Jesus. But, yeah, one of my favorite things is, like, after a show, just kick it back with some guys, just drinking something, talking shit about music, <laughs> politics, whatever, you oh. know? So it's right up your The alley. opening bands. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, talking shit about the opening bands. <laughs> <laughs> we would never. Nice guys, but... Uh... Who are we to talk? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Well, just being, you know, objective, just like this, you know, talking about bands that you listen to. I mean, you well, just have sub- to be playing with them. Subjective, I would say, but whatever. It's... Yeah. I enjoy it when Brian drinks. I, I'm, I'm like the pusher man. I'm always trying to get him to have a, have a couple of drinks. Loosen yeah. Up. Have fun. <clears throat> that, that, I've been, uh, been known to do that myself. Like, everyone considers me the fun drunk. <laughs> so, uh, I, I don't drink too often anymore, but... Now that I do, I'm just like, oh, I get to be fun again. All right, let's do it. Well, cheers. Cheers, yeah, for sure, man. Thank you for guys for coming. I didn't even do the proper introduction or... Oh, what do you say? Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll do it later. 
but uh tack it on the front yeah yeah i'll tack it on for you guys thank you for coming though i, I do appreciate you guys Absolutely. coming down and, and uh doing this with me i knew i had to bring brian yeah yeah it was a great suggestion you know i, I mean, mean he knew the dates it was recorded and released like <laughs> off top of his head right i, I like black sabbath he's got a yeah. he's got to be part i do have all the lps yeah except for the um the end cd ep thing they, they were selling on the last tour mm-hmm. that's the only thing i don't have Jeez, I could have bought it for you. Oh, I went. It was thirty bucks. I was oh, like, fuck oh, oh. that. Oh, it was just a tour special. Thing? Yeah, yeah. Oh. But I mean, then somebody bootlegged it on vinyl, and I tried to find it, but that was right at the cusp of where Discogs started, um, like Bandit. removing the sale yeah. thing of uh, bootlegs right. on Discogs, so you can't sell bootlegs on there anymore. Oh, but you, you can, can still, find it other places. You can still find some. Yeah, it's hard though. I mean, because it's so expensive, right? I mean, everyone's upcharging them now. No, it's like they're. There hasn't been any on eBay in a while. Um, I checked a lot of other stores. It's, I think it's just sold out now. I don't know. Hmm. It'll come up eventually. Somebody else will bootleg it at some point, too. I mean, right. Excuse me. Makes sense. Or the same guys just make another 500 and yeah. do it in a different colored vinyl. Yeah. That's what they all do, huh? Yeah. A friend of mine fucking did that recently. Um, we sold his copy to, to our friend <laughs> Daryl, actually. It was uh, Snake Finger Live in Melbourne. You familiar? You like him? No? Um, he was a player for the residents. Uh-huh. Oh, 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 but okay. uh, so it was a, it was a limited edition, like numbered three hundred pressings from um, Secret. I can't remember the name of the record label now. Hidden Secret Records or something like that. Mm. Um, so Sneak Finger Live in Melbourne '81, double double album, three sides though. Fourth side was a screen print. Oh yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, it was really really great vinyl. Um, newer pressing, I think it was from like late 2000s or something like that he just so he sold this copy to my friend he just bought a new copy because he was just like oh that 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 record label put out more more copies of that record so i bought another new one i'm like why did you do that you just fucking sold it why are you buying a new copy but so he buys a new copy i went to his house the other night and i'm looking at it i was just like dude this is like the same jacket like this is all the same it's just like colored vinyl yeah like you can even see like even in the back, um, they had just like used a gold marker and just crossed out the 300 and it was just like <laughs> numbered it by hand yeah. and like numbered it to like, oh, now it's seven out of, you know, 125 as opposed to the fucking whatever out of 300 that you bought before. Yeah. But it was it's the same jacket, same artwork. I was just like, they probably had overstock. They were just like, let's just print up some more vinyl of this and that's, put them out. That's not uncommon. Yeah, but I'm just like that's. I was just like I don't. I don't see that as making much much sense, you know. And then I I didn't ask him. I asked him what he bought it for. He didn't tell me. But I was just like, okay, you just sold this one for like ninety bucks. How much did you buy this thing for? I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. If he turned a profit, I don't know. He was a smart one, right? Well, I mean, because but then to buy it again, I'm like, why did you sell in the first place? Because he's gonna wait for that second one to go up to ninety, and he's just gonna keep. The Keep cycle continues. It's an investment. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not one to talk, I guess, you know, whatever. This is kind of what I do, so. But uh, but I don't know. I guess I don't buy for myself. I just buy because now I get to, like, listen to everything and kind of... Uh, that's that, that's pretty fun for, for, for me because sometimes I get a lot of records I've never been able to listen to before. Oh, my it, God. You mean, like, like stuff you just... 
you know the name of I had heard about it, but not right. been able to sit with it, you know. And now to have it on vinyl and like yeah, be able to yeah. kind of like sit with There's it. There's definitely stuff like that. Like I just bought that um, the um, Diamond Head White album, mm. but it's a double album and has like extra stuff on it. Oh. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know the song, but reissue, to hear it like in it. original order and stuff like that, I think a lot of times a lot of albums make more sense. Hmm. Like hearing it in the original order that the band meant it to be in or whatever versus yeah. just hearing songs here and there. Right. I've definitely had records like that that I did not get until I heard it in their entirety like that. Yeah. And that's I actually a, haven't opened that. That's a High Roller one, wasn't it? The High Roller one, yeah, on White yeah. Vinyl. Yeah, I got that like maybe a year ago. Yeah, they've, they've, I think they've printed it three times now. But uh, hmm. whatever, I didn't have it before. But yeah, on, on another tangent with vinyl acquisition, I... For whatever reason, I decided to clean up my office, which is also my record room and electronics room and instrument room or whatever. So it's kind of cluttered. And Mm -hmm. I just started going through seven-inch boxes. And I realized after, like, going through a bunch of stuff, I had seven boxes of records I bought that I would mostly hadn't listened to. Mm -hmm. Like, and they're, like, 100 100 records each in each box or something like 80 to 100 records each box each oh, man. i was like wow man like i bought them like on tour and then like maybe some of them i listened to once and there was there's just dozens of like dollar <laughs> bin 90s hardcore records that i've never listened to mixed in there i was like what am i doing with my life <laughs> oh man see i i have a system like i whenever i buy stuff it always goes it's leaned up to mm-hmm. the right of my record player on the floor and it's always in that same spot. Right. And I won't file it until I'm I listen to it. I'm better with the LPs than the 7 inches. Yeah. I can the imagine. The LPs yeah. I've been putting, like I have a box next to my record <clears throat> player in the living room. Um, and I'll like, you know, just put on the record while I'm like doing dishes or I'm sick of watching, uh, you know, procedural <laughs> crime solving shows on my cable. Or whatever. <laughs> I don't even have cable. I have like, you know, like Roku channels or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll just listen to them like that and I'll actually get them listened to. And I have not listened to that diamond yet. yet. Hmm. But yeah, the seven inches. Oh, apparently I'll just like, I'll go into some record store in like Wisconsin and they'll just have a dollar bin and I'll just find all these like records that of bands that I know and I just never picked up their records and I'll have like 50 of them. And then, you know, at the end of the tour and they'll just go in a box and they'll just sit there for, you know, 10 years and I'll just forget about them. (laughs) Yeah. So how many records would you say that you have? Because I've listed almost all of them on um, Discogs, I have at least like 8,200 records. So most of them I've listened to, but these uh, (laughs) five to 700, I'm not sure how many of them I've actually listened to at this point. Because a lot of them are kind of generic hardcore. I think my last count was like 2,200, something in that ballpark. That's still a lot. So you have like four times as much as me. Yeah, for most people. I mean, obviously, he's like an insane collector. But (laughs) and there's people next to next to me who are like completely insane. So yeah, well, there's a lot of people out there like that. I mean, I I definitely have known a couple of people where you know their houses are like they have a room maybe this size and it's just all records. Yeah, you know, and then I just keep going higher and like my furniture is slowly becoming like all record (laughs) things. Like my end tables are now record things. My my entertainment center is now is a record cube. My right. everything's becoming something. The whole all the records. furniture is is records. You know, <laughs> that's crazy. I have it. I have it maintained so it's mostly one room, and then just like the overflow is in the uh, yeah 
just one box that I have like of stuff I haven't listened to yet or I've only listened to once and I want to listen to it again hmm. before it gets filed away. See, and see, I'm like, I actually have a house. Brian's in an apartment. I'm with in all an these records. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. Actually, Don't... all my all my ten inch shellac seventy eights are in the living room permanently because we have like a um, an end table from like the twenties that's like a record table. Mm-hmm. So I keep all those records in that thing. Yeah, you have a lot of ten inches or no? <laughs> maybe 150 oh i like i it's not a super ton but still if like if i find like country and western stuff western stuff um rhythm and blues if i can find it it's so hard to find here when i was in cleveland i found so much r&b stuff for like you know a dollar two dollars each wow Um, yeah that's the great part about traveling huh because you get to hit all these like weird spots yeah, yeah you know and they god knows what they have you know that you're at the mercy of the the store and all these stores in different regions get all this different yeah, and stuff, different, right? Yeah, different um, demographics. I mean, apparently, right. you know, in the Midwest, in certain cities, there was a larger black population than there mm-hmm. was in Worcester and <laughs> in Providence or whatever. Because, I mean, right. like, I almost never find, like, a Funkadelic record here where you can never. find, like, a ton of them if you're never. in, yeah. like, a big city in the Midwest, I guess, you know. Right, right. Chicago. You, never, you mean, like, Dollar Bin? You mean kind of like, you know, just kind of crate digging <laughs> for something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. necessarily Dollar Bin, but even... Not like a new reissue, right? Um, yeah, I've definitely noticed it here that that like funk stuff you just don't see a super ton of it. Um, mm, that's absolutely true. And and when you do, it's like destroyed too. Yeah. It's like yeah, like, <laughs> I just came across absolutely uh, destroyed. I got a Parliament Chocolate City. I found one, but it's not great. You know what's funny? That's the only Parliament I have on vinyl. Really? Yeah, it's the only and, one and I found. And I had never heard of it. I saw it. I was just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it's mm. it's decent. Like, yeah. It's like their fourth, I, I think it's like their fourth record, maybe. Really? But uh, oh, the Funkadelic stuff, forget it. You never see that stuff. Hmm. And I when think, I do, I think, it's like I think destroyed. I have like America Eats It's Young, maybe the only yeah. one I have on vinyl. But right. like I those, only have a couple, yeah. Like Maggot Brain stuff, forget it. I do have Maggot Brain and it's destroyed, but you can listen to Maggot Brain no matter what it sounds like, <laughs> I think. I mean, that is just such a. That song is just so. It's like comes from a spiritual place, even though I'm not spiritual. But it's like mm-hmm. so it's just pure emotion. Well, did you, you know what he like told? He told. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. What's his name? Eddie um, uh, Hazel. Eddie Hazel. Yeah. He like said, like when they're in the studio, he said to that solo, play that solo. Build, he said when you would do the solo, well, take think, acid. Think of the sad, the saddest thing or most upsetting well, thing. Like your mother just right. died. He was just thinking about yeah. your mother dying. Like, yeah. You play well, no, solo. I think he came up with a mother thing. I think he said, oh, really? think, think of the thing that would make you, and, and then he thought about put it himself in that space of like, why. my mother just died. Right. It's awesome. It's crazy. It's just like, the Hazel guitar is, is like too. wailing. You know, I mean, a guitar and saxophone, I think, are like the two most expressive instruments for hmm. like human voice kind of emotion kind of stuff. Absolutely. Like Coltrane, I mean, he's just... Coltrane, Just yeah. a voice. It's not a saxophone. It's his voice. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we could talk about Coltrane for like 10 hours <laughs> or five days. But... I have a copy yeah. of Giant Step in the house right nice. now. Nice. It's not mine. It's my friend's, but it's there. It's good, good stuff. One. Yeah, man. A lot Home. of good stuff. <laughs> All right, well, I like um, hey, I wanted to talk about your new record yeah. a little bit. Okay. At least. Our new know. record that doesn't exist yet. But. Well, I mean, it's, you, you guys are getting ready to, to get it out, yeah. you know, so tape and CD and download for now? Uh, yep. And it'll be, so what we're going to do, the plan is to have a hundred, I believe it's going to be a hundred, um, definitely a hundred CDs and probably a hundred tapes, which are going to be 
Maryland Death Fest exclusives. Oh, so cool. like you act like so it's for people who are actually going to go to the fest can buy it. They'll have the first first dibs at it. Right. Um, and Is it going to have a, like a special cover or something? Maybe. I mean, you work at a print place. You could yeah. just run off some covers, and if they don't sell, we just rip up the covers, put them in a normal cover or something. I yeah. Don't know. <laughs> something to that effect. Um, mm-hmm. At least maybe the shelves will be different on yeah. the cassettes for that run. Um, and then uh, the official release will probably be in June. Oh, okay. And, you know, probably. And then, like big, you said, bigger you know, numbers depending on if there's any vinyl interest, any kind of like, you know, people that would be interested in kind of either pressing it for you or funding it or something like that. Yeah. Cool. But so nine songs, full length, ten, ten, ten. ten so songs. The, yeah, the last two, the last track, the ninth track is two like minute and forty five second songs. Yeah. Back to back, of this by this uh, Chicago early speed metal band called Snow White. Mm-hmm. Originally called Snow White, where they were three black guys and a white girl as the singer, and that was their concept. They were kind of like. She Three was black Snow dwarfs in yeah something I don't yeah. know, but then they changed to Snow White, huh? And um, when is that twelve inch from? The twelve inch that we do the song from is from like eighty four, but those songs existed in eighty three for sure. And that one of the other songs yeah. is off of um, Metal Massacre three, which is Metal Massacre is the the comp series that launched almost every major thrash band and second tier and whatever thrash band Metallica mm-hmm. their first song was on Metal Massacre 1 yeah. uh, Slayer's earliest stuff is on there so it oh. was at the time it was a super important series of American heavy metal yeah. compilations and they were on one of them because they were at the time they were an important band now I don't know how many people like them I, I don't know I think I've always thought they were really good yeah um, it's one of those bands that fell through the cracks and they, they didn't do a reunion after, you know, they didn't do a, like a 90s and, yeah you know, post-millennial <laughs> reunion. So I think they're mostly forgotten. They still you have still an opportunity, their... right? I mean, <laughs> we actually the members it. are still around, are We they? actually tracked down the guitar player, which was, um he used um a stage name. Uh-huh. But we tracked down his real name from like somewhere, I don't remember. And then I found his, his Facebook thing. He's playing in like an R&B covers band now. Wow. And we actually asked him, it was like, Yo, we're gonna do these covers or whatever. Is that cool with you? And he like, he said, "You have my blessing." Enjoy, have a good time. Like I was like, "Yeah, it looks like he he has nothing to do with metal at all anymore." But but he's he's credited for all their music and yeah yeah. So he's the guy. We found him on Facebook. He was the guy. He was the band (laughs) basically. Wow, that's awesome. It was kind of funny. But yeah. Well, maybe you so guys we're doing, can uh, kind of create. It was a kind of this funny, <laughs> you know. It's funny. We took the, the. This kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where our, our music is this still rooted in this old, old guy, old metal thing. Mm-hmm. We took these two. Aaron, our singer, suggested. He's like, "Hey, if we do this, it's no way cover," and it really it fits. It fits right into our style. Mm-hmm. It was really easy to cover them, and it doesn't. At the end of the record, it's not this like jarring. Like, <laughs> yeah, change of genre. You know, it's not like, oh, we're gonna uh, Hellbent's gonna do a cover of like Jefferson Airplane and like make it metal. Right. It actually right. kind of sounds like it could be one of our songs. Yeah. But it's so you didn't do any tweaking to the record to that song really. You just kind no, of like no, it's straight cover. Yeah. Except except I had to I did the solos on it, which I'm not a yeah. I'm not a lead player, so 
Oh, I yeah? Did, I did some punk, some punk, uh, you can punky solos. You can definitely see some punk in Snow White, though. I yeah, think. absolutely. I mean, right. it's, it's three-chord, like, speed metal, early thrash metal. Hmm. And, I mean, the word thrash was originally used in hardcore before it was used in metal. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to, you know, just describe fast bands or whatever, I mean. I don't know. I think I, I also knew Snow White. I mean, but Aaron, uh, excuse me, Badger, definitely came up with uh, doing these these songs. Hmm. And then, you know, I well, went back actually, and I was like, they have a song called Hellbent, too. I was like, maybe we can that do was, that. <laughs> that's what I was yeah. going to say. So yeah. would you start off as the first track like like this? Well, what, yeah. So he he was like, "Oh, let's do this." That's the last track on the LP is Hellbent, the There's no white song. Oh no, I'm just saying like Black Sabbath. The first track is Black Sabbath. Oh, oh, oh right, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could do Hellbent first song. Call the record of Hellbent. But yeah, we were. It's only actually the do... last song. But yeah, yeah. same idea though. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> we were cool. just gonna do one. We we're just gonna do Sledgehammer, their song Sledgehammer, and it's only like a minute forty five. And and I was like, dude, they have they have some Hellbent. We gotta do it. Yeah, gotta. Nice. And uh, so, I mean, combined, it's like it is kind the of the same minutes. style too. Like much like punk, it's like basically the same song, it's same like, format. Like, yeah, yeah. Solo comes in at the same spot. It's I and I have no problem with that. I would rather listen to a good Ramon song and ten good Ramon song in a row than like, you know, something that's innovative and I just don't like. You know, I'd rather hear something done well than done than something that's innovative. Really? Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Like d- done well. That's yeah, what yeah. I mean. Not just like it's right. generic and it's whatever. I would re- rather hear a style done well than hear something that's innovative. That like not every innovation is great. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. No, I guess there are I some innovations that. that are fucking mind blowing, but some that are just like. Well, and is, then is somebody comes along. Or? Somebody comes along later and can refine it and make it better or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think there's. I can't think of something off the top of my head, mm-hmm. but I can definitely think of, you know, later examples of styles that have been done better than the originators. Right. At the um, at you know, in that respect, that yeah. innovation isn't always the best thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you I know who hates see that. the Ramones? Huh? Don Dokken hates the Ramones. Really? I watched some, it's one of those, those, uh, documentaries on Netflix, uh, not Netflix, Amazon. One of those like thrash metal, heavy metal from LA documentaries. And, and it's probably in, in volume two. Cause I watched volume one of that. It wasn't the thrash one that was like, no? L, it was like LA rock and metal scene or oh, something okay. like that. But yeah, he comes on, he goes, yeah, I'll, I'll never get that Ramones stuff. It's just terrible. It's just terrible. I mean, the first Dawkins set is <laughs> like, like, like 78 or 77. I'm like, man, the first Dawkins record's terrible. Like, the, the one, not break, not, there's one before Breaking the Chains, and it is atrocious. I haven't heard that one. It's got like a picture of them on the cover. It's, I think that's I one that came out later, but the recording was earlier. They sent it. their demo around, and then some like French label bootlegged it, like yeah. after they became popular, which has happened to more than one band. Um, but you know, I actually like um, Tooth and Nail. Tooth and Nail's great. And what's the one before that? Breaking the Chains, right? Breaking the Chains. And then the one after it is. Uh... The one before Dream Warriors, right? Yep. Yeah, I, I like that record actually too. The one. Uh... Anyway. Don Dockin. Lock and Key? I Under like Lock it. and Key? Under Lock and Key. That one's okay. I, I really like Tooth and Nail though and Breaking the Chains, even though it's. It is it is questionable at some point. 
And I love Twisted Sister, which I shouldn't have worn my Twisted Sister vest. <laughs> Twisted Sister are the best. What's the catalog yeah. number on this thing? Uh, catalog is the same as the original pressing. Uh, this is from 2010, so the 1871. 1871, yeah. I was just yeah. going to add that. Today, before I came over, I was like, I pulled some of them out. Yeah, the, so the thing about this record is that this is the 2010 reissue, uh-huh. which I guess uh, was a Rhino reissue. Right. But yeah. um, but it doesn't say anything about Rhino anywhere on it. A lot of the Rhino reissues don't, I guess. Yeah? Yeah. I, I don't know. It depends. Like, uh, you know, like you were asking me about that Freedom of Choice one that I uh, was doing with uh, Brendan. Yeah. And that one had it on it. Um, I think it had yeah. a sticker on it. Some of them do, some of them don't. The... But, I mean, I've definitely noticed that some of the Rhino reissues do not have rhino on the record yeah at least not on the sleeve right nowhere like noticeable on the and they do good stuff they could do good stuff for sure um do you uh do you like appreciate the quality of the vinyl as well that they that they reissue typically yeah i guess i mean i i do have some of it like i have the um the voidoids blank generation thing Uh uh-huh sounds great oh okay what was yeah. the? Uh, I was actually gonna say before the Eddie Hazel uh, games dames and the first Eddie Hazel uh, solo. Oh, I don't know it. It's great. Really? Oh, uh-huh. it's amazing. So it's like really guitar driven kind of. Yeah, it's like funky. That's guitar that's the stuff I like. I like guitar but, uh, driven. I was originally a guitar player. I that played drums was, in this band. But, really? I, I'm yeah. pretty. Played sh- drums for Drop Dead too, right? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I originally played bass in Drop Dead before we like really formed as a band. But I switched to drums because I never played drums before. We couldn't find a drummer. Yeah. The drummer is the hardest thing to find in any band, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, always a good drummer, too, yeah. That's why, so, that's why Brian can act like as big of an asshole as he wants. That's exactly why. Yeah, because I he doesn't can, uh, get away with it. <laughs> so like, what are you going to do, kick me out? Who are you going to get to replace yeah. me, motherfucker? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, man. Beat, uh, beat I am not an asshole. At pra- I am so egalitarian <laughs> at, at practice about, like, Stuff. I bust everybody's balls. Everybody is equal fodder. And I'm equal fodder for them, so whatever. We are pretty fair about that. Well, yeah. that's good. I mean, it's, it's always good to have, you know, nice kind of good standing relationship with everybody in, in the band when you're going to be in a band together, right? <laughs> so the first press of this album, first press with the green label. In UK, you mean? or uh, um, US, US. US, yeah. I could bring up something else here because I was actually, I couldn't get to it. Because the boxes were blocked in, because I was cleaning a closet today. But the uh, the seven inch that has Evil Woman on it, which was on the UK Vertigo pressing of uh, the first Black Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the forty five of that. The first pressing was on Fontana Records. The second pressing was on Vertigo. I have the Vertigo pressing, but I couldn't get to it, which I thought that would be an excellent oh yeah addition. To our show here, but I couldn't get to it just because it would have like all the songs that are on the U.S. and the U.K. version. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't realize that they uh, they had different tracks on them. They do. Yeah, the warning is not, which is a cover of uh, Ainsley Dunbar's "Retaliation" mm-hmm. that is on the U.S. version, is not on the U.K. version, but "Evil Woman" is, which is a co- um, a co- cover of um, "Crow" from mm-hmm. Minnesota. Oh, okay. Yeah, I heard about that. I actually uh, was, yeah. was trying to do some research about this, and I listened to a, a very, very small snippet of that song. The original or yeah, the... Crow. Yeah, the yeah, Crow yeah. version of that song. I have that LP. I found it somewhere. Oh, cool. Is it the one with the motorcycles? Or is that just a, a very best of, like a best of? 
There's one where they're like I riding through like an alley that. on like choppers. That doesn't sound familiar. No. But I have Do that one. Look at that? The one that has Evil Woman. Yeah, I mean this is that's a pretty good reproduction. This yeah. was this I think was a little bit closer to the corner mm-hmm. on the original things. But the original original version of this was on Warner and Seven Arts. Right. Yeah, Seven Arts. I remember right. seeing that. Right. And I don't have that and I want it, but God, it oh. goes for so much when I see it now. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I can imagine. It's probably only like the first fifty to 100,000 were with that label, with the Seven Arts label. Yeah. How do you, how do you figure out information about like how many copies are pressed per, per pressing? Like, I've just read it somewhere at that oh, okay. point for that kind of stuff. Um, I heard the exact number 60,000 for that first Kiss LP that I was wow. talking about earlier. <laughs> and I don't know where that number came from. I just read it online somewhere. So you putting this shit on? I'm putting it on. Uh, I don't hear any bells. I know. I don't hear any oh, bells dude. either, man. Oh, it's on. Hold on a second. Something's going on. What's different? What's different? What is different? <laughs> is the amp on? Oh, I know what it is. I'm in the wrong channel over here. Oh, boy. Sorry. We're going to have to start over. that arm, Sean, before... Uh, this one? No, 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 don't use the buttons. Just use the, the little arm up there. Just, the oh, you just changed the pitch, Bry. No. No, that's all right. That's fine. Sorry about that. Gotta hear those bells. There we go. Gotta hear them bells in that rainfall. Uh-oh. It's that again. Is it the turntable? No. Did you replace the cords? No, I did. I replaced the cord. I think it's... um. I guess it must be the uh, actual connections of my uh, interface here, which kind of sucks because there's really not much I can do about that. Really? It could be on the turntable too, I suppose. Yeah. Although you said it was okay on your other thing. Yeah, yeah. On your receiver? Well, I didn't test this turntable since oh. uh, that problem I had. Hopefully the music's loud enough to block out Yeah, we'll weirdness. see. Mm-hmm. It blends right in. Yeah, we're, I, I have a bad feeling we're just going to hear that static throughout the whole thing. Yeah, whatever. Everybody knows this record, right? Yeah. But the vinyl sounds good for yeah. now, from what I can tell. So any of that clicking or hissing or something, obviously that's this shitty connection on my interface, which... Yeah. It's nice to hear it through headphones. Yeah, you don't do that too often. I generally don't. I'm just gonna turn it down a hair. Just gonna turn it down a hair just because I can't hear you guys through the microphone too well. All right. Oh. oh, shit, Sean. What? You're Sorry. right on the table. You knocked the table a little bit. Oh, Jesus. Do you have that problem with your turntables as far as, like, uh, like being, like, any kind of movement makes it skip? Yeah, Not know. in my new apartment. You know what they're called? Cats. 
Oh, his yeah. cat. Yeah. Oh, my I remember works. being over at his, at his house and his cat was like, who we listened to, like the move or something, like pre-ELO. Like, uh, <laughs> well, he attacked, he literally, I had to put a, a, a cover on that. Because he'll jump on top of the record player? Because he could see it and he would. Yeah, he'd be trying to chase the record as it's spinning around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he's figured it out, now he can see through the edges. Oh, really? He like. Wow, that's pretty crispy. I know, man. It's we're funny. cooking bacon over here while we're uh, listening to Black Sabbath. <laughs> At least I know it's not the record. It's fucking it's a guy named Interface, but... So I, I banged the table because I needed a beer. I'm that's all right. a little bit with my whiskey glass. So you know, it's, it's, it's happened a lot less than I imagined it would. You know, <laughs> so I'm actually doing pretty good. So can't that's complain. Fine. Opening statement for an LP, though. <laughs> yeah, well, and because it was weird too, because so they they originally started as a band Earth, right? Or at least uh, like Polka they had... Tulk, Polka Tulk, or what was it? Polka Tulk Blues Band was the name before Earth. Oh, okay. Wow. When they had but like a saxophone the... player and a keyboard player or some shit like that. Was that still the four original members? Yeah, yeah, oh. plus two other guys. Right. And then they like fake broke up so they could get rid of the two other guys mm-hmm. and then I don't know if they played as Polka Talk with just the four Black Sabbath guys but then yeah Earth until August 69 it's better than the power going out though so I guess I can't really complain isn't there um on those demos, isn't one of the tracks? Isn't doesn't, isn't there saxophone on one of those songs? On this album? No, on the the demos. This harmonica. Oh, I don't, remember, harmonica? I don't remember. There's one of the songs that ne- one of the songs that never made it on the album. Maybe when I come down or something. Maybe. I haven't listened in a long time, but I, I, I thought maybe there was saxophone on one of those songs. Does it, does, it's an oddball song. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't match? I think it's more it's really blues based like. There More are like a few blues demos jam. like that, and right now, since I've had a few bourbons, I'm ha- I remember when I come down. That what, was been the, what was the other um, demo? Demo yeah, for Black Sabbath's like demo. Earth, demos. Black for this Sabbath breakoff. Um, just a, you know, like six months before, which is apparently six months back then was a lot more than it what, it, what it is now. Yeah. Because <laughs> all these bands put out like two albums a year. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, it, like, them uh, especially. Like, Paranoid yeah. came out like October 70. Right. And this came out February. Right. Yeah, like months apart. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, so it took them eight hours to record this record. For the basic tracks, yeah. And yeah. then all the mixing. Sure, sure, yeah. But... To, to go into the studio for eight hours and bang out this record. They apparently were doing, you know, playing four hours a night in clubs or whatever. And plus doing covers and stuff like that. Right. And right. just spreading their, like, original sound across the... Just playing, like, you know, eight, twelve hours. The Rebel? When the I, Rebel. When I Came Down in The Rebel. When I Came Down, that's the song I mentioned, in The okay. Rebel was another demo track that's like... It's either Earth or Black Sabbath. It's kind of in that era. This right here has a psychedelic touch that would be expected of the age. Oh, yeah. But it's still blues rock. 
It's still heavy. It's still fucking heavy as balls. It's like I think it's like their it's moments of their songs that I feel like got them that that claim to originate heavy metal. Right. Like it's moments like this Absolutely, in this song. Yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah. like, oh yeah, that's kinda of metalish, yeah, for sure. I can see how that would have influenced other people to go on to make And like especially like the end here where it's just like the accents. Yeah. I can't really think of any uh oh. That. That did Right. That staccato part at the end. Mm-hmm. But then the wizard walks in. Yeah. And then this is so just like grooved, like bluesy. There's so much funk and groove in like a lot of these records from back then. The, yeah. Like you know, boogie rock. And I'm I, making right. And I think that's quotes why quotes with I'm not... my fingers here. Boogie rock. <laughs> I think that's why I'm not crazy about, like, kind of new metal. Because, like, I don't hear a lot of the groove anymore. It's mostly all just, like, the, the chugging along, you know, yeah. and the kind of maybe, like, fast riffage, maybe. Um, I don't even know how to describe it too well, but, like, you don't hear something like this. There's not that juxtaposition between songs, even, where there's one song that's like, okay, this is our, like, bluesy jam. What's funny, though, is I think there's an actual, like, metal genre called groove metal, isn't there? Really? It's like a sub... It, I think it's like is. new. It's I don't like, know. I'm too old, but I think there's there so is. many. Right? Yeah. yeah. Slams. Like there's, a, yeah, there's like that whole slam metal thing. That's we huge. played with one of the originators. Huge. Of that. Who is that? Incantation or somebody? Is that no. one of the bands? No, Suffocation. Really? Not us. Like They're Drop Dead did. Part of that? We played with them in Texas at that that um the guy from Pantera, Phil Anselmo. He had this like festival. In San Antonio, but like some other guys booked it, but they had kind of like he loves Drop Dead apparently, the dude from Pantera, oh, which yeah. is super weird. That's awesome. And then there's like COC played, Negative Approach played, Poison Idea. It was like a pretty good lineup. That's a great yeah. And the Suffocation like ended the night, which was weird. Like I'd never really heard it before. It was strange. I like, could see, kind of like, I could see where they, there might be an influence on that, but I don't think they're like of that genre. Like, they were just like an early, like heavy death metal band, like technical death metal. John, can you talk into your microphone? Hello. Yeah. Hello. Just because. Hello, talking to your microphone. I also, ha I also mumbled, so I, I it doesn't think, help. Right. I think suffocate is suffocation is, is considered part of that slam genre. I'm not 100% sure. Mm. It's not... Were they from, like, Long Island or something? Yeah, they're New York. I mean, they probably... I mean, the roots of that is from CBGBs, I would think. From, like, the hardcore scene, the CBGBs, where that kind of mosh metal... Mm. Where they kind of melded kind of metallic riffs and slow hardcore plotting hardcore. Kind of. I don't know. Hmm. It's not something I'm an expert on. Yeah, me neither, man. I, you, you know, I really don't know too much about it. All the genres, all the like subgenres for any any category of music is just fucking. It's a little much. I I just know I went to see so many bands back in the '80s that like now there's like separate scenes for them. Yeah. You know, like, I'd go see the Butthole Surfers and then the Ramones and then Soul Asylum and then, like, whatever number of hardcore, you know, Circle Jerks and whatever hardcore bands were happening then and then a little, getting into the 90s, 
there was it was still like like Buzz Oven or I Hate God. They were still considered underground bands that kind of got lumped into like hardcore gigs a lot of punk gigs. Absolutely. Huh. Uh, those bands I Hate God and Buzz Oven and stuff, they used to play those Studio 150 We played with them at Studio 150 yeah. shows. It was a little yeah, hardcore I booked, venue. I actually booked a show with us in uh, I Hate God. And uh, the form conscience and Devoid of Faith were all like, you know, at least Seven legendary like hardcore bands now and then. I Hate God are there. What are they, sludge metal gods or whatever? Yeah. You know? Nobody was there. Because yeah. it was like a festival earlier in the weekend where like, you know, on Friday and Saturday, like 15 bands played a night, so nobody showed up to the Sunday show. And like the guys of I Hate God, well, Mike Williams maybe was pissed off that nobody showed up, but it was like, right. there were nobody been, oh, and 13 played from New York City. Huh. They were like another early sludge metal kind of band, old girl Wait. band. They were great. They were great. I remember, hmm. yeah, I remember them. And Grief, like all this sludge metal stuff that now I guess is like kind of legendary, that like led to Black, Black Sabbath led to those eventually. Yeah, right? exactly. Getting back to Black Sabbath. Well, I was going to say, uh, you know, speaking of like influence, there's like that whole thing that I guess like witchcraft probably spearheaded, mm. like that the production values of this right replicating gra- graveyard, like it's so huge now. Like, but yeah, like going in the studio using like tape, old '70s tube amps, like keeping everything to right. this what we're listening to. Yeah, which I that's become of. its own. That's become its own genre too yeah wow yeah i can see that too i mean like i think that was the biggest thing about this band was that you know there was so many elements that were going in this direction that was very bleak and dark you know the name black sabbath the the imagery on the cover this like you know you know basically nameless woman very creepy kind of like you know ghoulish ghostly in this like what it seems to be like some kind of like cemetery a grove or of trees yeah. behind like kind of a house it might be abandoned it might right. be just like a hermit lives in it who fucking knows right it's and, still uh, there because I, f- I occasionally see people getting their pictures taken in front of it oh really it's still standing yeah that's awesome yeah every once in a while I'll see like in my Instagram feed like someone will go where that is and, and like have their picture taken in front of it oh that's cool I feel like it's like in the Netherlands or something where? Maybe the Netherlands? Or, really? Or maybe, I don't know. I'll do my research. I would I'll think it's like in the Midlands in yeah, UK or maybe. something like uh, that. Who knows? I mean, there's definitely a lot of old stuff in UK still. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I bet. That's why I was assuming it was taken too, but... I actually, that's one thing I don't know about now. Now Sean's looking up. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm... He's Googling it now. I don't know the, I don't know the history of the cover. Yeah, no, I don't either. Um, all I heard was that uh, Geezer Butler, who is the primary lyricist, yes, yes. Um, wrote those lyrics, wrote the lyrics to Black Sabbath, the whole, you know, the I see some dark figure, you know, coming yeah, towards yeah. me. Yeah. And this was kind of like the idea to kind of grasp that concept, mm. kind of put them together. Right. Um, to make it a woman, too. A woman, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Because, I mean, I guess, you know, a witch is more, and witchcraft in general is associated with women more than yeah. men. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's definitely, I mean, the wordage in the lyrics suggests it's just something dark and right. like, menacing. Right. You know, uh, I, I always I was pictured it as a, um, 
you know, some kind of... It's like a devil or something, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And then devil, you always, you always associate with a male. male yeah. right. right. So it is England. Oh, it's England. Ah! Yeah. Where is it according, from? According to Wikipedia, it's uh, the Maple Durham Water Mill situated on the River Thames in Oxer, uh, Oxfordshire, England. Oxfordshire. Hmm. And, uh, is that where the hobbits are? It says the name of the woman pictured on the front cover is forgotten, though guitarist Iomi says that she once showed up backstage at a Black Sabbath show and introduced herself. All creepy as hell, um, just like walks in, just like not, not much saying is, anything. Just, you know, it's funny though, but it says not much is known about the eerie woman used in the photo other than she was a model slash actress hired for the day and her name was Louise. Huh. She could look like anything based on the blurriness of that photo. Yeah. I, I kind of think she looks pretty. I kind of want to think that she's pretty. You can't tell. No, you can't you tell. Absolutely can't. And the, the like the color tone of it, like it's the very whole look of days. it. You know, it's just like yeah. so. She looks green. She kind of looks like the fucking witchy, wicked witch of the west. Oh, I got yeah. a landscaper. Since. Cool it's man. Lovely. As an older man, I can appreciate such uh, scenes. <laughs> get, yeah, they didn't get let it get as overgrown lawn, here. You know. Mm. It's much much cleaner now. Definitely not not as dreary looking. If you went for this there now, it would He's not. He's a shiny moment here. At the beginning here. Still plays it to this day in concert. Yeah. If they ever play another concert. Supposedly they're not, right? No more tours, but they might do one-off shows. That's what they said. Oh, that okay. Yeah, that's sense. that's weird. I mean, if you're saying like you're not going to gig anymore. Okay, well, that, what did they say? We'd have to find the press release to say what they exactly said. Right. Well, because if they played here and I got to see them again, I'd be happy. But if they play in England and they play again, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I mean, what? The, the, speaking of Kiss, uh, I think they're on their seventh re, uh, final tour. They say this is the last tour. Seventh, yeah. supposedly. Seventh leg or Se- no, no. seventh, seventh announcement? Final, final tour. tour. I don't yeah. know, man. I mean, Black Sabbath's only done it, what, twice now? Three times? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Only once that I can really recall. Yeah. I mean, I thought they did they one re- like... reunited in 98 for that reunion thing? That's what I was thinking of. And then this I don't know one. if they really said that was their last tour. Oh. Uh, it was just a reunion. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't uh, you went to go see them when they came around here recently? Kind of recently. I mean, it was like a couple years ago. That was maybe. The, yeah. yeah, that was the end one. At the um, fuck Mohegan. Mohegan thing. Well, I went to see him at the other place. But um, Bill Ward wasn't with them, right? Was he? No. It was, it was Tommy, him. whatever, from like the Aussie band. He played with both times. I saw him on the Thirteen tour. Oh, okay. I saw him both times. That's where you saw Once the at the casino, tour. and I saw him up at um, Great Woods. What 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 is Great Woods called? Now? Xfinity the Center? Xfinity Center. Oh, Tweeters ain't going even further back. Shit. <laughs> I don't know, man. New England. I don't actually, I've never even been it's to a next, show there. It's next to the Almax. The last time I was at that same Great Woods Tweeter thing was to see um, Anthrax, Megadeth, and Slayer. And the opening band was Alice in Chains. Like 1990, 91. Wow. That was the last time I'd been there before that. Wow. And Alice Chains hadn't, like, done anything yet. I don't know if they had even released a major label LP at that point. Huh. Wow. I hated them. I didn't like them. I've never really cared for them much. I think in one of those documentaries, they were talking about that. Really? In one of the thrash ones, and they were saying Alice in Chains opened for them. They did? And they got booed, and... I thought they sucked. But they're not my thing. I still don't like them, like... Like, I like Stone Temple Pilots more than Alice in Chains. Really? And I'm going to say, I don't know why. I couldn't even tell you why. Because I don't think 
either band is that great. This is great. Two solos going at once. Yeah. But he only synced up right there. Before it was just like kind of yeah, separate yeah. notes. I, I don't know if that was intentional or if like somebody walked in the studio and they were A-B-ing solos. They were like, right. why don't you just have both? Like we did on our last record, by the way. Our, our debut LP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did. We had the guitar play, play the solo twice. And then I was like, dude, just play them twice. Yeah. Like, like have them in different channels. Well, that's like some... That's, it sounds great. That can be a good technique, depending. Yeah. Uh, I heard some guys rip this apart because of that. Really? I, I, found this, I found this podcast. They must have been like Berkeley kids or something. You know, it, it was making me <laughs> mad, and, and not, yeah. not because like what they were saying necessarily. Like, like oh, that oh, was my deal. Yeah, sorry. So, sorry. <laughs> um, no, it, I found this podcast that was. I think it was called uh, "Your Favorite Band Sucks." Okay. So basically, I didn't get into all of it, but I focused on this because I wanted to hear what they were saying about this record. Uh, and it was starting to make me mad because I was just like, okay, wait, so you assholes are just going to rip apart every band because I saw some of the track listing. I was just like, okay, you rip apart the Beatles. You're ripping apart Black Sabbath. You're ripping apart, like, all these other bands if that are, like... everything's fair game, I think that's fair. I as long as they don't do a thing, but they go, like, okay, this record's perfect. We can't rip it apart. Right. Well, but I mean, you got to think something's good. I know what good. you're saying. Just because I like this album doesn't mean somebody can not have a problem with it. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and I'm very objective to it. I Like, I like I can listen to this, I can hear what they were saying, and I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like, the whole thing about that doubling uh, the solos. I love that. It's it, it's a great effect, yeah. but for them, they were like, oh, yeah, he just did that because he's a hack guitarist, and it didn't even work well because he wasn't even, like, doubling up on the solos. He just, like, they just took two separate solos and just, like, you know, brought in the levels here and there and pan left and right, which I'm just like, that can be a technique. <laughs> That's that can a be very good. 60s, 70s, like, yeah. when stereo was new. Right. When did stereo come into, like, mainstream, like, 66, 67? I don't even know, man. Something like that. Right. So there was, you hear all these crazy stereo effects right. on, like, these albums until, like, about 70 or so whatever. It's like... They're just like panning back and forth crazily, like it's right. It's kind of funny to listen to now. Yeah, what was I listening to? I but I like the too. idea of having like two different solos that like they just come together here and there every now and then. Yeah, I love that idea. But you can hear both of them, and so you can kind of like hear them, like them kind of meld together yeah. in parts. It's, yeah, yeah. it's like a jazz because like uh, um, tool almost. It is almost like a jazz thing. Yeah, where you got like two. You gotta flip this motherfucker over now. Yeah, man. I mean, that's the maz- That's the magic of some of the jazz stuff. Is like, just yeah, group of people just playing all you know, more like free jazz stuff and stuff like that, yeah. where like things just meet on these like magical moments that aren't planned and like. I feel that magic sometimes, even myself playing, even though I'm a, I'm obviously not a world class improviser or whatever, like mm-hmm. a guitar or drums or whatever or just in bands i'm in it's just that that stuff is magical when you feel it like mm-hmm. you're like For wow sure. that fucking feels so good yeah we used to and hopefully other people feel it too yeah i, mean, I feel it in other bands and i hope they feel it in us when when we do it in that yeah. one fucking song dude vincent Bisseruptum <laughs> used to have those moments really when we would my old band with dan yeah yeah and we would like the early stuff we would just jam yeah i mean some people oh, yeah. loved it some people hated it we would just <laughs> jam but sometimes it was like five people just locked in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And then sometimes and, it was just five people really drunk and stoned, just you know, playing the same two notes for a whole, half hour. But this right. is like the whole thing about like the divide between seventies <clears throat> rock, where it became just masturbatory, and like the need for punk rock to come in and simplify everything, just mm. level things out to like where it was in the fifties, kind of where it was just like real driving rock and roll. Mm. But then you come back to some of that. 70s stuff where it was kind of wanky or whatever and it's like this is really good yeah you know even though at the time like you know you might have been i i'm sick of this kind of stuff (laughs) i don't know there's a balance in life between like like being a virtuoso and just being a neanderthal playing music hmm you know, but, but being a Neanderthal can be good. Like Absolutely. The uh, God, obviously, God, our some... fucking band. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I think uh, Vince Misseruptum. I mean, we were just yeah, that stuff we did. Who fought ne- it? Neanderthals, <laughs> but man, that... it was fun. Absolutely. But us too. Yeah. Even our band. I mean, I'm I'm the most untrained guitarist there's ever been. I'm That's obviously fine. like the best guitar player in our band. I think. Yeah, I don't know if you know that. Jo- jo- actually, I'm George. John really? is is a really good guitar player too, but his sense of tempo to me, sorry, John, is fucking wacky sometimes. <laughs> I don't yeah. understand his sense of timing sometimes. Hmm. It's like absolutely weird. Well, he's, he's got good fingers. He's right? got good I mean, fingers, but he doesn't. <clears throat> he doesn't. That's the thing. <laughs> he gets weird sometimes. He writes these like I remember this riff that we wrote. And I broke it down, and I was like, did you mean to write this in 10-8 time? And he was like, I don't even know what that is. I was like... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm on board with him. I, I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I barely understand, like, theory stuff. It's just right. like in recent years, I've broken stuff down, and then gone back, and I was like, oh, all right. Just in guitar stuff, too. It's like, yeah. oh, that's the seventh. Oh, that's the fourth. That's the fifth. That's the third. That's, you know, whatever. The mm. diminished scale that is all those devil intervals. Yeah, yeah. Know? Yeah, Diabolus I, and Musica as Slayer. Did, did you did you get formal training? No. You just figured this out eventually? You know, I was a guitar player, and I read Guitar Player Magazine, and I used to read those articles about stuff, and I picked up about, you know, 1% of it or whatever, and then as I got older, I would go back and kind of pick apart riffs I wrote or whatever, and then it kind of, it was like, oh, like it just clicked. Hmm. And then because I was kind of forced to play drums in all the bands I'm in, except for, you know, a couple where I forced the issue and I got to play guitar or write stuff on guitar. Yeah. Um, I mean, I continued playing at home all the time on guitar. And you can't really play drums at home mm-hmm. unless you have your own house, which I've never had. So I just kind of figured out this kind of theory stuff huh. after a while. And how, like, when you play this as a fourth, the fourth note also could be the root note, and you could, just different ways of interpreting hmm. notes or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, that's crazy. Yeah, because I, I and don't then understand listening, it. It's just like when I started listening to jazz when I was like older, older meaning almost 20 years ago now, because, uh, you know, when I reached 30 or whatever, and I started not just listening to, you know, hardcore punk and. That's about when I started getting into jazz too. Like I think the, that's where it's where, a where, magic thing. number. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, I'm thirty. I got to put the get the jazz. And you start like now. eating beets and going, beets are pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> hey, anyone got <laughs> some lima beans too? Yeah, yeah. dude, I love Crazy. mashed lima beans more than anything. Those are so fucking good. It's just a maturity thing. I don't know yeah. what, what happens. Right. Yeah, I probably didn't eat a beet before I was thirty. <laughs> love them. Yeah. Well, actually, I used to eat them when I was a kid. 
and yeah. didn't really realize. Um, I but, never had beets then, but like, like I, I used to love artichokes when I was a kid, and like broccoli. Hmm. I still love broccoli. See, my my mom. I love it now, like even more. But because I liked it when I was a kid, I like it just carried over. I never stopped mm-hmm. eating it. And Brussels sprouts and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, that are supposed to be things kids don't like. And no. I think like again, like our music taste has just matured. And yeah, 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 for sure. So, yep. Speaking, I of... haven't gotten around on classical yet, though. I still. Yeah. You know, I dabble with classical. Like, I, I listen to the radio station, like the classical radio station around here. And uh, I really like listening to it in the car. And then all I ever, like, when I'm listening to it, what I do is I, I envision, can I play drums to this? Like, that that's would be, one. that would be really fun. Like, when I get this shit set up and I can get actually get my instrument set up, that's what I would like to do. I'd so like you're to be a drummer, able... too? No, I dabble with it. Oh. I'm not a good drummer. Oh, okay. But I, but I would, I like playing drums. I think that, you know, I think it's very fun. Uh-huh. To just kind of play Did along play, with records. You played bass, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that, was a, that was that was. Yeah, but I, I, I have a too. I have a kit and I like to play them. I like to bang on them. I like yeah. to fucking play along with records and just like fucking just wail away. It's good exercise, you know. Just feels yeah, good. yeah, yeah. And um, so I was always thinking like, oh, if I could fucking like nail a fucking classical song, like if I could like play drums, <laughs> like rock drums, to a classical song, that would be pretty cool. You know, and that's what like, would be good. Play practice. like a Wagner song and then do like Metallica kind of like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some master of puppet song know. or something. I still, like, I like some um, some classical guitar stuff, mm-hmm. but that's about it. Like, I can't do the whole even like a quartet or especially not like a full orchestra. And I don't like for jazz, I don't like big band stuff at all. Mm-hmm. I like like hot jazz, like the Louis Armstrong stuff, I like ragtime stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, up until like the modal jazz and bebop stuff and into the free jazz. And then I kind of fall off at later fusion stuff. There's a steep fall off. Early fusion stuff is kind of awesome. And then it just goes <laughs> like the, it's a dive. It's a real fucking dive. Yeah. <clears throat> but like I'm the jazz the stuff, place. like the big band stuff, like the. Um, you know, especially stuff with vocals, like Sinatra, kind of like the vocal jazz stuff. Mm. Even though I love, like, I love female vocals more than anything when it comes to, um, you know, music mostly. Even like Ella Fitzgerald and stuff, I can barely tolerate that stuff. Hmm. Yeah. And I don't know why. I don't know why exactly. And um, who's the other one? Billie Holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Who is, you know, hmm. widely regarded as one of the best. Right, you know, jazz singers, black jazz blues singers, or whatever. I, I gotta say, I kind of feel the same. Like, yeah. I know them, I know some of their material, and like, I do like some of the songs. But as far as like putting a full length record of it on and like, you know, listening to it front to back, I don't know if I would want to do that. Yeah, I just spun the uh, Max Roach. Uh, we insist now or. I don't know that one. It's, I think uh, you have more jazz than I do. With, uh, I, I only have like maybe 200 jazz. His records. wife, Abby Lincoln. Abby um, Lincoln, yeah. I does, know so it's him and her. Yeah, yeah. And she does the, uh, what's the, the Yoko Ono thing, the, the vocalization, the uh, primal scream uh-huh. stuff. Hmm. And she does these things with her voice that are almost like of a woodwind instrument. She uh-huh. does these like screams, but it like does these weird fluctuations i don't know how to even describe it yeah but huh. that's a cool record and really and, yeah i do like that some of the, like that lindish rock stuff 
That is good. Right. But she, just the Abby Lincoln thing, she, but she's actually, she falls in that same category yeah. as Bill Hall, Billie Holiday. And, hmm. But she took it. Hmm. I That's interesting. What, what was that again? Tell me that so I can maybe uh, look it up. Max Roach, the jazz drummer. Okay. Uh, it's called We Insist. And it was like uh, one of like a lot of the, uh, probably when like the Black Power stuff was starting to like happen and. I think it was like late '60s, and it was okay. I know there's some Abby Lincoln vocal song that I can't remember who it is now. It wasn't Max Roach, but it was somebody else. It was, it was good. It, it, it's probably but a lot of vocal jazz area. I can't hang with, where it's the vocals are too much, the focus, and it's too traditional jazz. I guess you could say. Hmm. Yeah, I can make. I can see that. Uh, I'll start side two now. Um, I wanted to say something though because you were talking about the the, mm-hmm. the soloing. Um, do you like uh, Bruce Springsteen at all? I I I think Bruce Springsteen, the covers of his music are usually better than his <laughs> versions of the song. Although I heard a live version of um, because the night uh-huh. where he's playing like guitar on it. That is good. That is better than the Patty Patty Smith version, which is still good. Mm-hmm. But that's the only Bruce Springsteen I've ever heard that I like better than like a cover version of one of his songs. Okay. So it's funny you say that. So two things. Mm-hmm. So Springsteen, I think you have to hit forty to appreciate. <laughs> I'm not forty yet. Uh-oh. I'm fifty. <laughs> I still don't like him. So me, I, I was never. I liked. I only liked Bruce Springsteen, Nebraska. Which okay. is the the nothing like any of his other records, right? And I think that most people make that association early. So that was my like, like oh, oh, Bruce Springsteen, oh, okay, oh, because I have Nebraska. Nebraska's, oh, I can take this. Yeah, but I, his other stuff has grown on me. But the other thing that grew on me was they did this. It was like a PBS concert, all in black and white, and it was when like Roy Orbison was still oh, alive. Yeah, yeah, Tom Petty, Tom was Petty, on there. yep. And Bruce Springsteen comes on and plays guitar, and I was like. Are you kidding me? He's amazing. And that it was like that's what like the, the trigger for me mm. to check out more Bruce Springsteen because I didn't realize like what an absolute like how deep amazing do you go amazing guitarist he is. Yeah. How deep do you go with him now? I have most of his stuff. Really? Jeez. On vinyl. Yeah. yeah. I might be heading that way. I don't know. I have yeah. <laughs> I, I bought I actually bought a big chunk of them off Rob. Someone had clearly <laughs> sold their collection. Yeah. And they were all like three bucks. I got like I got like five. Born of them. to Run. Yeah. Okay. Well, so Born to Run, right? So that yeah. was one of the probably one of the I, biggest. I actually produced... like that song. That's a great song. It's a good sure. song. But so that whole album is hailed as one of the most, you know, probably essential. My records. uncle, who turned me on to punk rock, he was super into Springsteen. Hmm. Okay. That's like one of his, like, yeah, yeah. one of his records for sure. So his I, Desert I, Island. I bought, records. I bought a um, uh, a reissue of Born to Run, uh, some like deluxe CD box set thing that came with a DVD of the making of, which was cool. Yeah. I love making of makings of anything. Me too. Like if I can see a fucking making of any record, I'll fucking watch it. But so it came, this came with it, and I watched it, and uh, they did the same thing, the sax solo for. I can't remember the name of the song. I think it was Jungle Land on that record. Um, it's a fucking long ballad-esque fucking uh, sax solo. But the way he did it was that 
he he mixed it. He he had uh, Clarence Thomas is his name. Yeah, is that clear? Mm-hmm. He um he had him do Clemens. Clemens, sorry. Right. Clarence Clemens, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Clemens. Yeah, you're right. So Clemens. Oh, Clemens Thomas is the guy in the Supreme Court who uh, <laughs> molested Anita Hill. Remember that? Oh, oh. yeah. My mistake. Sorry yeah, about definitely that not that guy. No, no, not that guy. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen, sax player. So he had him do multiple tracks, multiple solos to, uh, to you know during this part in the song, and in the mixing, he fucking mixed it, like he brought up and down levels as the song is playing, uh, and committed that to tape. Hmm. So that solo, the way that you hear it on the record, can never be recreated, right? Because he was just fiddling with the knobs and taking all the different <laughs> tracks of all the solos, right? And just panning them in and pulling them out and that's, that's how it so came cool. out so they uh, i think i told you they just at, uh, going through netflix uh, amazon prime amazon prime they have yeah. all those the british uh series classic albums oh yeah they have like all like not all of them but they have a lot of them on i there. just looked at it recently and they and, uh, do that stuff where they they break down they do like uh, mach- i just watched machine head yeah, they sit Deep down purple. with the and records at the table. And that's the thing, and they, they go through them. the console, and they... Yeah, the original master They'll, like, they isolate the tracks. They'll, yeah. like, listen to what he was doing here. Watch this, you know? Oh, they'll, they'll, like, play stuff that was, they didn't put on the record. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, here's this, like, triangle part that we left out, you know, or the <laughs> the, the didgeridoo, or, yeah. like... <laughs> yeah, like, it was um, the Wishbone Ash I wish they... one. Did you watch that yet? I haven't. But, like, yeah, he, he isolates the bass. He was like, oh, listen to that tone. What the fuck is that? Like, <laughs> it's funny. It sounds great, but he's, like, he's like playing another guitar, practically. Because it's like he's playing this high solo mm. part that's just like a harmony that's over the top of everything. Not a harmony, a, a melody that's over the top of everything else. Mm. And it's, it's great. It's great. But it's like if you just isolate it, it's like, what kind of fucking bass tone is that? It makes no sense. Yeah, right. <laughs> But over like over everything else, over everything it sounds is, okay. It's amazing. It's probably that like a... really mid rangey or something, and it just like cuts through that yeah. mix or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's super not... like for a bass, it's super high. Hmm. That but makes yeah, it's total super sense. Mid tone or whatever. Yeah. They did a cool thing with that with like the Lou Reed one. Oh uh, yeah, Transformer uh, was it? Yeah, and they do the the opening baseline to. Um, oh yeah, it's doubled up, right? Wild so he was doing the yeah. upright He's for too. the low end. I yep. love that electric that, like, bass doing the high. He exactly. also did that in uh, what is it, Dave Essex, uh, rock and roll. Hey kid, rock oh, and yeah. roll. He does like two bass lines on that too. Yeah. So he gets paid double scale. Oh my god. He gosh. did the same thing on the Lou Reed record. He put two bass lines so he oh. could get paid double. So it's not That's just so a creative funny. little uh, thing to it do. It isn't. It isn't. I suppose. Because that uh, that bassist was a, he was just like a session guy. He's a session guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. But yeah, I mean, those, that stuff's so cool. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, even I, when they talk when they in the Deep Purple when they talk to Richie Blackmore and he says. Everybody plays Smoke on the Water wrong. Right. Everyone. And he, it's like, he does like a double, a picking thing where it's like. Oh, he's like playing the octaves, like just kind of playing all three yeah, or like, four strings at once. Dun, 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 dun. He's like, everyone just does the like. Yeah, the fourths, right? Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. All right. Let's get into side, side two. two. Let's do this shit. What do you think of the quality, by the way, so far? Because you guys own original copies of this record. It's good. Like I said, it sounds, I mean, it's probably a bad judge for me because I'm hearing it through headphones, which and I'm not used to. static thing, too. I'm not even noticing the static. Not really. too much. It shows up here and there, it seems. 
It's hard to keep a good song down, as I like to say, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If you play it loud enough, it just cuts through everything. Absolutely. Play loud or die. There you go. So, Brian, as a drummer... Yes? I've, I've heard people say that Bill Ward over overfills. Hmm. No? Have you heard such a thing? I, think, I don't agree. I think it's I like don't a either, but like I've I have heard that like he, he kinda people have complained that he overdoes it. And I, I don't think so. What what is the guy that was filling in for him? What does he say? Because he has oh, to recreate it, right? He's, so. he's oh, he def- hasn't been recreating it. No, he's no. more of a modern drummer. He's yeah, definitely he's a more modern drummer. drummer. So he like, doesn't like do these. When he's playing some stuff, I'm like, that's not right. Uh uh-uh. uh. That's not right. That's that's sacrilege, isn't it? Eh. I don't know. He probably like, I'm gonna tell you, I couldn't play these parts. Oh, I, I absolutely couldn't play these parts. He's a mon- Bill Ward was a monster. But he's yeah. like a jazz player, right? Yeah. But he's he, got a lot of like jazz and weird timing going on this stuff. But also is hitting other... as hard as humanly possible. Yeah. Like while doing like that. Like El- El- Elvin Jones hard in a hard rock context. Yeah. Something like that. Hmm. Yeah, there's certain players like that. Like uh, Ginger Baker is the same thing. He even says he's just like, I'm not a rock and roll drummer. I'm a jazz drummer. You know, so I play like these kind of like... Jazzy. He definitely plays weird. He doesn't play yeah. as hard as Bill Ward. No, sure. no. Um, but he also plays um, this way, doesn't he? The oh, like the actual. Style? Doesn't Ginger Baker play like underhand? Like I think he does. Hand? I think he does. Well, yeah, almost all jazz drummers. The yeah. stick is but like. Bill Ward doesn't. Like... He still he plays over. He doesn't. I guess I, is what I'm saying is I don't Ginger think he does. I think I think um, Bill Ward plays matched. Which is like just like this, like Ringo Starr, like he yeah. was like kind of the first rock drummer to play with just so, like not like a um, what do you call that, like a drum, uh, like a drum and fife style thing where you're playing on a on like a tilted drum. I mean that's why you're oh uh, yeah yeah, yeah. like oops I just the mic that's all right yeah. don't knock the table. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this right here reminds me of like some bar band kind of break. <laughs> Everyone needs a break. Yeah. Refresh the drink. Isn't that like what the Stones used to do? Like when they had fucking Keith Richards or someone do like a massive solo, like the fucking guys would go out back, like do some bumps or whatever, and fucking fuck some groupie or Something, some shit. Yeah. Come back on. <laughs> Why else would you take that time off, right? <laughs> like, I remember seeing Twisted Sister, and they did, like, some stuff like that. And D Snyder was just, like, running off stage. I am convinced he was back there just, like, with an oxygen mask. Because he's, like, he had to be 55. <laughs> oh, this is he recent. was... <laughs> kind of recent. 2011, 2009. Kind of recent, back. yeah. He was running around like he was fucking 22 years old, you know? Wow. He's, He's one of those guys, crazy. though. He's one of those guys of, like, high energy. Like, David Lee Roth. Like, just fucking... The whole band was ...bounced off energy. the walls. Oh, okay, so it was cocaine. Dude, they were fucking great. <laughs> no, he's straight edge. He's never done, like... He doesn't drink. He doesn't do drugs. Oh, yeah. That's why he's saying oxygen. He's getting, like, an oxygen bomb. He's an bomb. oxygen right. thing just on his mouth... Over his 55-year-old <laughs> mouth. 
Did you? They were fucking great. Did you guys see the the Chicago documentary? It's really long. It's like I, I saw like half of it. Where they until the albums I liked tailed exactly, off. Exactly, exactly. But there's a point I think in the '70s where they had a a phone booth as like a prop mm-hmm. on the stage. Yeah. But it became like they kept it there because it was where they would all they would all like do bumps. They'd all like, really? and one of the roadies, and all of the roadies would like set it up for him, and they'd literally just uh, rotate and like go in this like <laughs> nice. phone booth on the stage, and just and everyone is just coked out of their minds. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I actually, uh, oh, there's a Jews harp. The Jews harp, yes. This is what that it's an instrumentation like that that would make people not credit this as a metal record. Just right. because it has a fucking juice harp. That's what I don't like about the whole thing about people like categorizing music be like, oh no no, that has horns in it, so it can't be metal. That has a juice harp that's right. got whatever in it. So it's just like, oh oh yeah, the harmonica from from the wizard. Yeah. Oh no, it's got harmonica on it, it can't be metal. <laughs> it's like you're fucking assholes. Like why not? I don't care if it's metal or not. It's fucking Sabbath, man. Well, even if it wasn't Sabbath, if, right. if, if another band incorporates, if you guys were to incorporate harmonic into one of your songs, is it not going to be metal? <laughs> no. That'd be hard. I well, I was going to say. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Like, right. uh, I don't I, care if it's metal or not. It's fucking Sabbath. It's just got to be good. Yeah. I mean, like, like Sabbath aside. Yeah. Like, just thinking about music. Okay, can this have harmonic in it? Can this have, you know, mouth harp in it? And still be a good rock song. Yeah. Right. Well, I was going to use the example of uh, Jeth- the first Jethro Tull or, or early Jethro Tull. Yeah. yeah. It's Jeffrey a song. It's contemporary with this, and yeah. and it's got flute. Yeah. yeah. A lot of flute. It's all flute. Tons of flute. It's yeah. Got too much flute. Like. <laughs> but uh, and then I was going to say like, fast forward. I was talking about the the revival stuff of this like. Doomy Stone, so like uh, Blood Ceremony. Blood Ceremony. Blood they Ceremony is a modern band. This front, the girl, the girl sings, plays keyboards, plays like an organ, like a yeah. farfisa or yeah. something, yeah. and plays flute. It's and it's, but it's based off of this stuff. Hmm. I miss her. It's metal. Yeah. To me, it's metal. It's still metal. Entirely. Well, see, I, because you have enough influence and you would have enough appreciation of something like Black Sabbath right. and like the Stooges and Garage Rock in general and, Jethro and Blues Tull, Rock in general. Yeah, and so you can like listen to that and you'd be like, okay, this is metal as fuck because you're just rocking it. It's just a good, hard rock song. It doesn't matter what instrumentation you have in it. Yeah. We haven't even mentioned the MC5. The MC5. Jeez. That goes without saying. Exactly. <laughs> what are they? They're what like the heaviest X? band ever. What? Miss X. That like what? What is the name of that song? The one. It's like it's basically a gospel song oh, oh, on the second or third album. Third album. Okay. It's basically a gospel song, but it's still a hard rock song too. Because they're doing it. Yeah. Because that's just the only way they knew how to do it. Anything yeah. for that matter, right? It's just yeah. fucking going at it, just full blast. Have you heard the, the what is it? Sixty six breakout. Mm-hmm. That is like Motown plus MC Five. Right. That was the Detroit sound. I mean, that was the it was, epitome. It was of... so fucking good. I, I picked up the LP of that not that long ago. I yeah, had I, C- had the LP I had the of CD that. forever. I finally grabbed it on vinyl. Yeah, it is so good. But anyway, yeah. I mean, that's like that defies all genres. It yeah. just it encompasses they just all. They did everything. It was like Motown, 
whatever hard rock was in 1966-67. Black to Calm, which is like a free jazz song. Hmm. What were you um, going to say about... Uh, you were going to say something about Blood Ceremony. Oh, Blood Ceremony. I saw them with Ghost, and they fucking blew Ghost out of the water. Ghost what do you think huge. about Ghost? I know they're huge. I know they're fucking huge. I, I like their were... first their first record I exactly. liked. Exactly. Which was And then I saw record? them live and they were fucking terrible. It had like a Latin name, I think, if okay. I remember correctly. Because I actually had one of their records recently and like I knew that they were a popular band, so I was just like, oh shit. Like I'm all yeah, I'll pick up Ghost, sure. Um Mel- Meloria? Is that how you pronounce that one? I wouldn't it, that wouldn't be the one that I know. Well, I put it on expecting it to be something more similar to this. It was like pop music, right? It was like fucking pop. I was just like, yeah. people like this shit? Dude, like, this sucks. They were I didn't even finish to like, listening to it. I was just like, I this is not what I expected. Like, the Scooby-Doo theme song is what, like, people were comparing, like, Ghost to <laughs> by, like, the second LP. It's yeah. just, like, crazy. But people are like calling this metal. But I'm like looking it's at the jacket. Like I'm opening it up. I'm like pulling out the sleeve. It's the fucking uh, photo of the band in this like really black backdrop. Yeah. They're all fucking face painted, looking like skulls and shit, yep. and like wearing the the fucking like priest cloak stuff. Yeah, yeah. They have like the cardinal fucking hats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the shit. first yeah. LP, the first full length, it was like a it was like a simplified version of Merciful Fate or yeah. King Diamond. Yeah. Like you know, he had the face paint and the, the and even if it was a little the, more poppy it was good but it just kind of like like i actually loved like it had a really good bass tone like it had this really like yeah. driving like good riffs and but then the second op it was just like <sighs> and it's just gone further and further i mean the 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 sign God. was that they did an abba cover on the second LP, they did okay, a Beatles wait, wait, wait. cover. It, I saw I'm not dissing ABBA. Okay, I but it was just ABBA. a sign I of things ABBA. to come. I didn't. I have never was... been an ABBA fan, but I, I listened to their <laughs> records recently, and I and I listened to their first record, and I was just like, "Holy shit, this isn't a disco record." Do you have like the first one when the first American one where they're all sitting in a limo? Yeah. There's a, a um, like a Scandinavian only first one with like Ring Ring. It's called Ring Ring. Okay. I still have to get that. But yeah, that first LP is good. Yeah, it was very good. Hey, hey, Helen. That's like. I was very that's surprised. That's like a hard rock song, which weirdly pop vocals on. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I was like, I was surprised because I was just like, oh fuck, Abba. I gotta listen to Abba now. Oh Jesus, here we go. I like Abba. I was very no, hesitant I... to put it on because I was just like, oh, it's gonna be some fucking disco shit. I'm not gonna want to listen to this, and it was good. Yeah. It was really good. They have really talented musicians in the band. Yeah. Writing the songs, right. and then they have these two girls who they sound great together. But the, even the performance of the songs, yeah. it was just like it wasn't disco. No, it was like a rock record. It the was early like stuff is kind of pop rock, but yeah. it's still good. They're like I even like some of the disco. They're like the Scandinavian. They're like the Scandinavian heart. The yeah, what? Maybe, maybe no. a little bit. Scandinavian heart. The two girls, the yeah. rock the background. The live clips of them wearing like the cat shirts, which if you know Abba. They wear these cat matching cat shirts that some fans made for them. They look so fucking hot in them. It's like, <laughs> whatever, dude. And it's a great pop record. I mean, yeah. I don't know. But this is the Ainsley Dunbar retaliation cover right here, where he changes the lyrics and it like changes the meaning of the song. Hmm. Ozzy, in some ways, was a genius for changing 
kind of the lyrics of the song a little Well, did he bit. change the lyrics? He did. Because I was curious about, like, how, did, how exactly is Ozzy as famous as he is for being Ozzy when he didn't even write all the lyrics to the songs? He definitely didn't. He's a good... He's, he's a just performer. the performer. Right. Like, Frank Sinatra is a performer. Right. And there's a lot of good performers. They're better than, like, they can't write songs, but their performance is just genius. So, um... Speaking of like of the, the classic albums things, they do yeah. Paranoid, right? And yeah, in that, they that talk one. about Ozzy would. He was like responsible for the the writing the the melody kind exactly of. right. But he would sing along with the the. the he would the, like make they the actually guitars. played tracks right. That's the melody. Part. They would like play right. tracks of him making. He would literally just be in the studio making up words. A lot of people do and that. And then, apparently. but then Geezer would go back and write all the actual yeah. lyrics. Oh, okay. I hear the Beatles so I think did that's that kind the of shit too. Like they would just make up some bullshit lyrics for something, right. and then go back and write real lyrics. And like scrambled write, eggs. Yeah, like just write some melody to go with it. Right. Yeah, because I guess Ozzy would just write nonsense, and then Geezer would be like, "All right," and then yeah, he'd actually exactly. figure something out. Yeah, I got yeah. something kind of clever, comprehensive, and which makes dark sense and... as a musical device. I mean, just making up fucking skeevil fucking lyrics, just go skeevil and dee wah wah wah, like yeah. over something, and then write real lyrics. It makes sense <laughs> that, that it's more of a song than like yeah, poetry over like a song or something. I mean. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't see scat going over very well with this style of music. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, though. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. I know, no, absolutely. It, during sure. the writing process, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do some but I mean, if that's what all Ozzy could do, I mean, because like obviously he yeah. didn't write the words, so it's just like, well, what, what would he have come up with if you know wasn't up wasn't for Geezer? <laughs> we'll never know. Even in the Ozzy band, I guess. Um, yeah, his solo career. Like Bob Daisley and stuff wrote a lot of the lyrics. Or he still didn't fucking. How does he make his money? He's a good performer. And his God wife. Damn it. Yeah, you know, she's... The, the daughter of Don Arden, one of the best... Uh, one of his managers, right? Yeah, the, one of the managers. One yeah. of the best managers of all time. Yeah. Shit. He hooked up with... Sharon Arden. What was Sharon she, like Osborne. 15 years old or something? When... I think she was older than that. But she might have been like 20, 22 or something yeah. like that. Whatever. Yeah, I was like, actually... Um, just picked up a book about Black Sabbath, and I was trying to read it, but I don't do good good reading. Oh. I fucking fall asleep when I start reading. <laughs> Seriously, just fucking my eyes just get tired. And I just I'm go kind sleep. of the same way. Yeah. I so. did read Nazi biography like a few years ago, and it's a lot of it just sounds like they set a tape recorder and had him like talking. You know, like he couldn't sit down and write it, but he could sit down and talk about it, and then somebody transcribed it. Oh yeah. And made it like a little more human and followable as a story, you know. Oh man, this is almost over. It is. I guess we're gonna have to do a double whammy. Get paranoid out. <laughs> I'd rather do Funhouse actually, but this is. Funhouse would have been my second pick. We already talked. About I know. This. We were like, Ugh. yeah. Well, I gave you three choices. I yeah. mean, and with the, and but you had already fine. done well, and also I was trying to keep it within our, at least somewhat within our realm of, uh, at least the music we're making at the See, moment. See, the thing is, it's like even though it's not regardless like of what band you're in, regardless of what music you make, you, whatever you're influenced by cr- helps create what you make. So whether it is a fucking Black Sabbath record, Ween record, yeah, Funhouse, you know. Blue, 
Uh, Our music's Stooges. probably more rooted in the Stooges than this anyway. <laughs> I don't know. Is it? You could argue like, that. Like, you could have been, like, Exodus bonded in blood or something like that. I don't well, know. Yeah, I just well, don't have a copy of that. But yeah. you know what? Had I realized... I yeah, had I we'll realized you, you were selling all your records... Like, I didn't I'm not realize, selling them. Well, no, I mean, like, you have a Discogs site. No, that's just so he can keep track of them. No, no, no. I just keep track of all my oh, records. Oh, you just put them up there? You don't... We'd list them for sale? Oh, it's just for my... Yeah, well, I have some stuff for sale. Yeah. But generally, it's just so I can keep track of my collection. Right. So, like, if I'm at a store, I can go, like, do I actually own this already? So this is uh, my... That is my ongoing problem. Is I will... rebuying I records. keep rebuying records. Because <laughs> I go, I don't know if I have it. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to come back here. Or it won't be here. So I buy it. And then I get home and I go to file it away. Oh, shit. I already had it. But it's not like a different pressing or anything. It's like it usually is. And then I keep it. Yeah. Like that crea- I do that too. You know the creator that I. The one yeah, the, yeah. the one that I got from Armageddon's a, a European pressing. The third one. You got the German? Yeah. So you're not going to sell it to So me? the original one's the German, and then the one I just bought's the American. <laughs> I don't have that one. <laughs> I do have an extra copy of uh, Pleasure to Kill picture disc. <laughs> yeah. I bought a double, and he goes, oh, I'll take it off you. Yeah. And then I got home, and I was like, looking at it, I was like, nah, it's a different pressing. <laughs> Sorry. Was it terrible certainty? Yeah. I could find it. It's like a twenty dollar record, so whatever. It's probably it, it probably went down too because they just reissued all those. Oh really? They did. Oh, what happened? Oh Clipped. shit! Clipped again. Clipped. It's too much rock for the computer. I guess. Can't handle it. Too much blues rock. I gotta admit, I love this record. Dude, it's so good. And you know, it's uh, it's funny because I've never been a big vinyl guy. Yeah. I didn't get into vinyl until maybe a few years ago. Um, and a lot of the records that I've been able to get doing this whole resale thing, I've never had the opportunity to listen to them on vinyl before. And putting them on, like being able to listen to it on vinyl now for the first time is just so, like, it's, it's a momentous occasion, you know? Like um, I got got to listen to the um, third state of Velvet Underground's Velvet Underground and Nico debut record. I was floored. I was so floored because it was just like I put it on and I just got to sit there, like just listen to it, like. And I was just like, I know I love these songs. I've always loved these songs. And now like hearing it like this, like it just fucking. Yeah. Like, ripped me apart. There's nothing better than that. There's yeah. nothing better than having something I've known my whole life, and then I finally get on vinyl, and I hear it in, the, in a completely new way. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the, this is this is one of those moments, because it's just like... I mean, you know, this is a 2010. I mean, I would have really appreciated this to be, like, an original copy. Yeah. But it turned out it was a 2010, which is not so bad, you know? Like I was asking you before, I mean, sound quality-wise, I mean, what did you think? Like like I said, it's hard to keep a good song down. I mean, I can't really tell in these conditions right mm-hmm. here. You'd almost but have I to mean, AB it. If I was in my living room, just fucking had it at like, you know, you know, an 8 out of 10 or whatever, yeah. I'm sure it'd, it'd just fucking blow my socks off like every other time I've listened to it when I've really paid attention. Right. Yeah. Well, for the 180 gram, because this is 180 gram. Yeah. 
I mean, what's your experience with the the vinyl press on 180 grams, whether it's repressing or it's original or not? I don't know if I have 180 gram of this. I have a lot of like uh, 70s and 80s presses of this. And I think I have the one on, what's that, Earmark. And I can't remember what that sounds like, but it's probably master off a CD. Hmm. It's kind of a weird, sketchy label. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, the songs sound great anyway. Like, as long as you don't peg it like it's some, like, weird CD mastering job where it's, like, everything is, like, at the maximum decibel, like, almost clipping. Mm -hmm. You know, like, that weird shit like that. Yeah. I mean, this is a vinyl mastering of it. I mean, it sounds good. It still has dynamics and whatever. I mean, so... The the quieter parts sound quiet. The loud parts, you know, sound loud. It's good. So supposedly mm-hmm. cut from the original analog masters. Right. So I mean Key. the only the only thing in question here is the skill of the mastering engineer now or t- 2010 versus 1970. Mm-hmm. Right, it's the same source. Hmm. Well, different set of ears. Different set of ears, I guess, but the whole, and he the, could have been old and had bad. He could have bad ears like us and <laughs> mastered it. Like shit, the whole vinyl. Got to get pressing. like a seven-year-old to master stuff, you know? It's like kids these days. Oh my god, computers like this is such a fucking classic album. I don't know how you could fuck it up. You know, I mean, if somebody along the line had to listen to the master cut that they did of this on, you know, an acetate or something. Hmm. And if there was anything wrong with it, I think they would have fucking piped up and said, like, dude, what the fuck is this shit? You right, know? <laughs> right. But then even still, it's just like, then they'd be, uh, like, changing it from its original variation. Like, it's an original release, right? If they were to, like, to it's remix, slightly, like, to remaster it or something, like, to remix it. It's going to be it, slightly where... different, even from, like, the early 70s, because um, each set of plates they cut from the mother, I mean, they could only do, like... A thousand to two thousand copies. Right before they have to her re- before they have to like recut it from the mother again. Right. That's that's where it's like gets weird and is like an art form. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And, and like, I mean, I've heard about people like saying that reissues like sound like shit, but I'm like, there are some eh. reissues that do sound like shit because they're mastered off like a CD. Right. I but, think like, I told you uh, I picked up uh, "Love Forever Changes." Hmm. Uh. I picked up the the Love Forever Changes. I literally got it for two dollars. First press, like I checked the matrix and everything, and it turned yeah. out there was it was pre- the first press was done in three, two in one location and one at like another different pressing plants. You mean? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was like one and two at like and they like had like Terre an Haute, eight, and then there was one. It was like A and B, and then there was like a C at like a another one, and then I guess like so common and stuff from like. But apparently, the, the, oh. there was two, either one, two were really desirable and one wasn't, or one mm. wasn't, or vice versa. But I got, I looked them all up and I had, I scored the good really? pressing of it. And there's that, I can't think of and the it's website. Like, it's like you, hot like, cuts how do you, or something. How do you even know this stuff? You know, like. You listen to it, I guess. I know. It, it's so so much. Uh, richer, like there's this website that even, um, it's like called Hot Cuts or something. It's just finding like the masters onto vinyl, like the vinyl masters, not the uh, masters from the master tape. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they find like the the the, the different masters that sound best or whatever, and then they they jack the price up like incredibly hmm. <laughs> of stuff. It's like it's weird. I mean, I guess they're should I crack this if you want. I didn't know if you. Yeah, we need to wrap it up, up here. Or are we just gonna talk shit for a long time. You guys can we can talk about whatever the <laughs> fuck you want for as long as you want. I mean, I'm. I'm but anyways, yeah, because it's an analog process, you know, somebody's ears are going into like cutting this master, right. their equalization job, uh, the equipment they were using that time. When was the last time they replaced the stylus on the, mm. the cutting lathe or whatever? I mean, right. there's a million things that could affect this. And and just being opinion, right? You're like, oh, that sounds good to me. That too. I'm half yeah, deaf. Completely for all you know, you know, like it's subjective. Sometimes just something that is louder will sound good to you just because of the psychoacoustics of it. It's just like, you know, this sounds louder, so it sounds better. Mm-hmm. When necessarily, if you turn the other thing up to the same volume, it might sound just as good or better. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, we we went through that with the, the with our new record. We we went back and forth with the mixing. Back and forth, back and forth. And, like, to listen to that mix, you had to blast it. And then once we got, the ma- we got it actually mastered and got it back, it was like... Boom. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the thing with um, when they talk about modern mastering, where everything is just like louder. Yeah. That's how they make everything sound, quote unquote, more intense. Is just Being just have loud. everything mastered louder. But it was like, what if you listen to this loud master versus this more balanced master at the same volume? Hmm. Will you get more dynamics out of it, where things just sound? more like it has more impact yeah. because you know the le- like like those, if you ever seen like the the um, what is it like master of puppets like the original mastering job versus like the mastering job in 2010 or whatever where it's everything is just like right at the top of clipping it's almost clipping all the way through it sounds louder but doesn't have as much impact as like the you know the 1985 mix hmm you know what's funny is I don't have I don't have any original Metallica LPs. Really? I only have those reissues because they're too and fucking they, expensive and they don't sound great. Right. They don't. They're yeah. like, eh. That's what I've heard. They I mean, sound I have no, all the they, old stuff because I'm fucking. So old. like I I've had the CDs I've had <laughs> yeah. the CDs for twenty plus years. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no improvement. It's the same. Like I, that's always a bummer for me when I like have all these CDs and then like I'm like oh, I'm finally gonna get the vinyl and I put it on I'm like sounds the same. Ugh, I just spent thirty dollars to listen to. Great talent, Marilyn Deathfest, and then at Obscene Extreme and Trupnov, Czech Republic with Drop Dead. And like I wrote to you guys to interview you guys in February 1987, probably January, and then he answered in like February or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, how about the Brian had a photo? Brian had this little. I had a photograph that photo. he sent me in '87 for like an interview for my like high school punk zine. That like nobody in my high school was into punk. There was like three fucking kids. I just made a zine anyways because at the time I was like, I didn't under I didn't realize zines existed. And then I bought a bunch. And I was like, I could fucking do this. The whole punk fucking DIY ethic kind of thing. Yeah. And then like I just interviewed like I interviewed DRI too. I didn't know you those bands. It's crazy. And then we're playing with these bands in fucking May awesome. 19, 2019. Yeah. I sent, I sent, Brian sent me that photo. I sent it to Scott. 
He's like, I've never seen this picture. He <laughs> sent me that picture. He no, didn't it was remember less. it. You said less sent. No, it was actually Scott. I went back oh. to the thing, and it was Scott who sent me oh, it. Oh, he said he never saw it. He he definitely saw it because he sent it to me, but it'd been so long. It'd be That's thirty so fucking thirty three years or whatever, thirty two years. Huh. So yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy, guys. Geeking out. Yeah. Good for you though. I mean, like that's so great. I mean, like being able to, uh, you know, connect to the guys that influenced you to do this yeah. shit in the first place. So cool, so cool. I've got to do it a little bit and dropped it already, but like, yeah, more of these bands have even done like reunions and whatever. Yeah. And I already get it. Well, like, like guys, dude, it's so funny. Like guys who are like, dude, I've been waiting to see you guys. Like drop dead. My whole fucking life since I was a teenager. It'll be a guy like a guy with a gray beard. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Jesus Christ, how long have we fucking been around? It's like yeah, Brian's Brian's been, lucky. Brian gets to do it's it been with, a long time. with his sideband and his meme. It's... Yeah, right. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, I mean I, I wish I could talk to you guys more about all of that stuff. Uh actually the fucking computer shit out. It stopped, so I started to record us over oh. here just so I can <laughs> Put nice. it together, at Sick. least. And the video didn't stop, so that's great. So the video is complete, at least. So I know I have My that. My ears are hot. Yeah, I know. Fucking hear them out. Same with Mine the, are fine. Good. I don't know. Same with the phones, yeah, I know. It's, it's a little bit much. That's because you got the hair. There's like some breathing. The hair, some right. You're right. I, I just got yeah, a suction. It's like... <laughs> yeah. Oh, those are brand new, too. They're G.I. Joe. I bought those for you just today. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, because of the two people. Yep. Yeah, I, I forgot to ask you format. to bring headphones. So I, I could like, yeah, fuck you, you know what? I'll just I could have. I have some new Mark headphones I could have brought. I was just Jeez, like, he had a SM57. Yeah, no, I know. 58, I was just like, 58, sorry. I sold my 57, two 57s. Right? Is this a 57? That's a 57. That's a 57. That's a 57. Okay. That's a 58. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I asked you to bring it just because I knew I didn't have it. And then when I didn't ask you about the headphones, I was like, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to go buy some new ones because if I... I might have other people in here that'll be like, you know, multiple people and fucking whatever. It'll be, I'll need them anyway. So, they're not very expensive. I just forget. They always have them on like. They'll last forever. Stupid I hope deal so. of the day. They always have them on Musician's Friend. They always have headphones. Really? Yeah. 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 All the time. Well, I, like, I always think about buying them. I'm like, nah, I don't really need them. I didn't think that far ahead. You had more bullet, I see. Bullet. Mm. I don't know how to even say this stuff. I've, I think I've been to Bullet. the. Bullet. I don't know. Bullet. 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 Distilling. We're in America, right? It's bullet. Right. It's bullet. Yeah, I've, I, I, I mean, do they expect it? I'm looking no, for an endorsement not. deal at some point because <laughs> I'm interested in so much of this shit. Yeah, right here. <laughs> if uh, Buffalo Trace is uh, following this. Yeah? Where is this from? <clears throat> I think good. Buffalo Trace makes this. The original weeded bourbon. Mm. Mm. Old Weller. The original, as in the first. That's that's what it says right there. Yeah. I don't know if it's the first weed. It's my favorite weed bourbon, though. The uh, the Weller. Cool. I don't really like uh, Maker's Mark as the other, the famous weed bourbon. I don't like Maker's either. I don't like Maker's either. It's, it's too Bernie. Yeah. Right. I agree. And um, Old Fitzgerald was the other weeder that was um, popular. But they don't make that anymore, and they changed the name to... Um, Oh, Jesus Christ. It starts with L. Old something? No, it's not an old this time. <laughs> Larceny. Larceny? Yeah. Whoa. Oh, that's Larceny. A that's, a, that's another one. That's made by uh, Heaven Hill. Hmm. One of the few distillers left. 
in the old, U.S. Old granddad was charged with old larceny. <laughs> old granddad made by Jim Beam <laughs> these days. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, no. I like uh, old granddad a lot, too. I'm not just like into like these weird. Oh, that's the yeah. That's the that's the weird. That's the bottom shelf like bar type, right? It's the old it's mid shelf. It's like eighteen, nineteen bucks for like a fifth, like yeah. for you know a seven fifty. Okay. It's still good. I th- I think it's still good, fucking juice. The hundred and fourteen, old granddad hundred and fourteen proof. That stuff is great. It's like thirty bucks. Mm-hmm. It's hundred fourteen proof, so you're like. Yeah. Flying high again after you have a few fucking fucking belts of it here, you know? Hey, let me ask you. Did you have any of this tonight? The bullet? Yeah. That okay. was the first one I had. Okay. I've had it right. numerous times before. I, I like to treat my guests. I mean, I, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. want... I didn't know you were going to bring your own. Dude, I love sharing my bourbon with other people. And you had some of this, right? I did. Because most of us... Yeah. Like, uh, You're not a bourbon guy? No. Had I so known, like I would have bought you... some beer, too. I mean, no. I don't like fine. beer. Okay. I knew this was your. I knew Brian was gonna be excited about that. (laughs) Yeah, I could have brought some crazy stuff too. My dad actually brought me this today. I haven't seen my parents since like Christmas, and he's like, "Really? Yeah, brought me some IPAs." Oh, nice. Do you like the IPA? Generally, that's my yeah. I'm not a big fan. Yeah, some people say it tastes like soap. It's not very metal of me to drink IPA. Well, my my wife says it tastes like earwax. Really? Yeah. So Which she's, she's eating earwax? I'm not a beer guy. Agree. I'm just like bourbon. You can't help it. Sometimes you get the itch and then you're like, eh, yeah, okay. A salty. You yeah, gotta like, you gotta taste all your bodily fluids at some point. You know, you gotta kind of know, <laughs> gotta know, gotta know what's happening. Yeah, this one is going out to Metal Mike, our friend Metal Mike. <laughs> <laughs> he like, his, one of his um, jokes at one time was going like, hey, uh, hey, you ever tasted your cum? Me and Adam have. I mean, it'd be okay if you could do. He's like trying to get you admit it that you tasted your own cum. It depends on that the situation. Depends on the situation. Like in another girl's mouth, or just like straight from the exactly, spigot? exactly. Because like, like, you know, I think I think the the woman's yeah, interpretation of this is a bit like, oh, I'll do it if you're willing to kiss me afterwards. You know, it's just like, okay, fine, sure, all right. Just to make sure that the it's that, watered down. You make sure you can ha- you can get that seal that deal. You know. <laughs> I've been drinking pineapple juice all day. <laughs> totally pineapple good. juice, totally good, dude. I love pineapple juice, but I love the myth behind pineapple juice. <laughs> the ladies love it more. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. they're like, oh, God, I wish it tasted like a pineapple juice. So. <laughs> all right, so I guess we're good. We're good for tonight, huh? We're good. All right. Well, thank you again. Woo. Appreciate it, guys. New record will be out soon. We hope. Be on tape. For those that, uh, I know. For whatever tape will not be out. Final show. We got the, uh, the old record out, the old EP out. Uh, free download on Bandcamp, yeah. right? Or if you want to give us some money, feel free. It's an yeah, optional it it's donation, donate. right? What yeah. do you want? Yeah, so please give, give up some money and they what have the, the, the. What is the thing besides the sticker pack? The CD? The unofficial CD. I've never seen this. Oh, the true. unofficial CD. Those are the black CDRs. Oh, I'm sorry, that's only my copy. Remember no one else can have CDRs? that. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Black no. on black. And then uh, I got this sticker pack, and uh, on Bandcamp, you guys have the cassette available with the... Or it shows. Come see us live. Or can... Yeah, Where are we playing, playing soon? soon? You guys are playing at... Playing Machines with Magnets. Uh, in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. 27th, is it? 29th. 400 Main 29th. Street, Friday Pawtucket. the 29th. Friday 29th in Pawtucket. And, and April. Is a great venue. 
April 13th. Or 14th? 13th. 13th, I think. With Psycho in Boston at Cantab. Okay. I mean, I will link everything anyway. So whatever you guys okay. have, so let me know. Funny and, story, but... and the Maryland Death Fest. Maryland Death Fest, of course. Psycho, who we're playing with. Uh, what about him? In that photograph, Les from Cryptic Slaughter is wearing a Psycho right. shirt in the photo In the thing I published in my zine from February 2087 when I was still in high school, he's wearing a Psycho shirt. And then we're playing with Psycho. They're still going. They're still wow. going. Amazing. Those guys are even older than me. Which is fucking amazing. That's great. And I love Johnny and Charlie, who are like guys I've been in communication with since the old fucking days. Nice. Awesome dudes. Awesome dudes. That's great, man. I'm, I'm so happy to hear about it. You know, just like that, that fucking community is still so alive and strong. You know? Fuck it, man. I have nothing else to live for. Yeah, man. It's, just, <laughs> it's what you're made for, right? Yeah. It's just what you want to do, and, and that you're doing it is all you Ryan, can Ryan, you have for. purpose. I have a purpose in you life do. to play Trust drums me. with underground bands still communicate with guys from fucking 35 years ago yeah absolutely well thank you guys you're welcome yep. thank you for having us I'll link everything for you alright thank you fuck light that's my final wow. statement wow fuck light <laughs>